An MCU rankings update, a Mandalorian Season 3 primer, and everything you need to know about the universes you love right here, Episode 9, The Direct Podcast. Truth is, I am a Jedi. I'm vengeance. I could do this all day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in, welcome on, and welcome to another edition of the Direct Podcast. I am your host, Fandom and Ficionado, the the Bounty Hunter Podcaster, Matt Rimke, joined as always by my friend, co-host, Colts fan teacher, Floridian box office correspondent, Mr. David Thompson. David, happy Sunday. How you doing? Doing okay. I, I couldn't believe I'm out at dinner Friday night and suddenly I'm like, <clears throat> back in my throat, kind of a tickle, kind of a pain. Right there. Wake up Saturday, just thick as a dog, not feeling great. So I, I'm coming in a little under the weather, but I'm doing a lot, a lot better today, man. I'm doing a lot better. Uh, my Saturday wasn't ruined from it or anything like that, but it's been kind of, I don't know, a letdown right when you begin the weekend. You get sick? Like what? what is that, man? But uh, no, I'm doing good. Um, the f- weather in Florida really lately has been very warm, like super hot, uh, unseasonably, which mm. surprise, surprise, cause it's Florida, but it's really genuinely been like 80, 85, 90 the last couple of days, but it's kind of, cr- I already miss kind of the really cooler weather, but hot. it's, it's been nice kind of laying out and getting some vitamin D. So I'm uh, Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing good. It's 60 something here in Denver for the first time in a little while, nice. which is exciting. Going to go on a nice long walk with the pup later what is the best day to start getting sick i think thursday is the worst day is your weekend shot but like what's the best day is it a tuesday i'd say sunday start getting sick on a sunday well if you get really sick then it's like all right i'm calling out monday and then i all of a sudden i'm out monday tuesday maybe yeah i have a three-day week which is nice sunday is normally a little bit more relaxed like if it's football season right you're all of a sudden you're sitting there it's like 2 p.m you're sniffling. Wait a second. Is this something more? Do I need to go get tested? Right. You're not balling on Sundays like I am, apparently, which is, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Sundays, you know, is the HBO holiday because The Last of Us now has, for me at least, created this Game of Thrones kind of percolation where I cannot wait for every episode of The Last of Us. And I just realized yeah. as I was saying that sentence that that is today that we get another it is today. Another episode, because Last of Us releases on Sundays, but The Mandalorian Season 3 will release its first episode this Wednesday, and we will be reviewing every single episode of The Mandalorian um, Season 3. We're very excited. Just a quick update for everybody. Um, Starting at least with Mando, we will be um, recording a review of every new episode for The Mandalorian Season 3, day of. Um, When David gets off work... And I find time in my work. We will sit down and talk about the newest episode of The Mandalorian, and we will release that as an independent episode every single week. It's going to be shorter because it's just a one episode review, but we want to get those out as quickly as possible. And uh, so, yeah, look out for new episodes of The Mandalorian reviews um, of the day they drop. And moving forward, anytime there's a new series that we are covering, look for those reviews the day they drop. And this week is actually a kind of a perfect example of this new format because on Wednesday, we will drop our review of The Mandalorian Season 3 debut episode, Chapter, what, 17, I believe? 
um, yeah, of the Mandalorian, which is very exciting. Um, we'll be dropping that Wednesday afternoon, evening ish. And then uh, we will have our regular episode on Monday where we will be reviewing Creed three, um, which is very exciting. Our first uh, non universe uh, review, non staple universe. I should say the Rocky universe is full of things. Uh, David, we are reviewing Creed three on uh, Monday. No spoilers. I've yet to see the Creed movies, but um, I want to know where, what's your hype level at? Where, where are you for Michael B. Jordan's directorial debut? It's pretty high. And uh, I'll tell you the whole Michael B. Jordan directing thing. There seems to be a lot of anime inspired fighting styles in this film, which sounds interesting. I mean, there is a hint of concern because who directed the first two? Brian Coogler, mm-hmm. who is a phenomenal director, um, obviously Black Panther and what he did Wakanda Forever was very impressive. And obviously the Korean movies I love. I was talking before we went live today recording like I have such a, I don't know, almost like not a relationship, but I am all in with the Creed movies, similar to I imagine how people were with the Rocky movies. So it's pretty cool to me to feel that kind of connection with these films and it's like yeah these are my rocky movies in a way like i really enjoy the films um i've watched i've seen both you know rocky one and two in theaters when they were released so i i see i feel pretty invested into the story i'm excited to see jonathan majors once again on the big screen um (laughs) which is gonna be pretty cool and obviously you'll see you know when you watch these movies getting ready for creed 3 but michael b jordan is just in its wheelhouse yeah. with this uh, with this character. It's so good. I love it so much. And the, the first one especially is great. Yeah. Um, and but I'm excited for this new one. It's, it seems to be kind of pushing the pushing away. I almost from the Rocky franchise more into its own thing, like just this Creed franchise only. Um, and I'm pretty excited about that with this third installment. Yeah, uh, I I can only imagine because everybody talks so highly of the Creed movies. I have never seen them. I'm so excited to watch them, and I'm going to be doing that possibly tonight, depending on how my day goes, because I've recently been rewatching the Rocky franchise in order to get ready for Creed because I have a broken brain up here, and I can't just watch a movie. I need to watch the seven movies that built to that movie because that's just where I'm at in my life um i remembered rocky three and four from being a kid being these like fun exciting boxing movies i didn't remember rocky one or two at all apollo creed is one of the best movie characters ever like ever ever and he's amazing and i've been re-watching rocky and i've been re-watching the mandalorian i've had so much carl weathers in my life these past this past week or so (laughs) and that man's a delight he's a delightful human being he's so big He's just he, he he's so big, dude. Like yeah. eighty steroids actors were just huge, man. It's very exciting. I cannot wait to watch Rocky Four tonight, and then um, maybe watch Creed right after that. A little double feature. It's going to depend on how I feel. But regardless, we will be reviewing Mando season three debut on Wednesday, and then Creed three um, on the episode that drops next Monday. So uh, look out for that, and make sure to go catch those things david finally we have this new graphics package up and ready to go so let's start it off getting into everything you need to know about the universes you love that's slander it is not i resent that slander is spoken in print it's libel kicking things off with the red brand the thunderbolts has casted a new hollywood star 
to play a quote-unquote major MCU role, and it is none other than Steven Yoon, of course, famous for The Walking Dead. I don't remember his character's name, but he drove that cool red car through the empty highway in Los Angeles. That was sick. And then also recently in Nope as the uh, carnival director. Guy, David, your thoughts on David Yoon entering the MCU through Thunderbolts in a quote-unquote major MCU role. Not just a major Thunderbolts role. A major role for the MCU's future is what the report says. Yeah, pretty cool. Um, I like him in Nope, which I recently saw over the summer when that released. That movie's okay, but I actually liked his performance in it. I saw... I forget. Yeah, I forget what article it was I was reading. It was like kind of a you know a surprise performance by him in that movie and i would agree with that where he kind of like stole the stage a little bit in some of his scenes um never watched the walking dead don't know him from that my big question with all this is who is he playing (laughs) you know it's funny when we get these castings without a character you know this happens a lot recently like you think of amelia clark where it's like hey she's in secret invasion we're not gonna tell you who she's playing quite yet even though you can kind of put two and two together but here they are. Yeah, they're, they're coming. So it's kind of fun. Leaves a little mystery up. Um, it seems to go one way or another these days where there's certain characters we know are going to be cast. Say the Fantastic Four coming up. Sure. Right. Sure. But in this, it's kind of the reverse. It's like, hey, here's an actor and we'll let you know later. So I guess my big question is like, who is he going to be playing in this? Maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's not a character that's super famous from the comics. Maybe it's just some sort of, I don't know, government leader or something. Because this is the Thunderbolts, I imagine, related to New World Order. Um, I don't know. I don't know who he's going to be playing, but I'm excited that he's joining the MCU because he's a talented actor. And the MCU consistently seems to find up-and-coming talented actor and actresses all the time. And this is just another example of that. Right. And Steven Yeun has the added factor of being a fan favorite for Walking Dead fans specifically. You know, that is a very big show that has a huge fan base. And, you know, it's right. it's like one of the most like common. Yeah, the show just kind of you know lost its way at too many seasons of The Walking Dead. And that's the biggest problem with it. But this guy is an early, you know, adaption to that show. Season one, episode one, I believe his character and uh, Lauren Cohen's character have a very steamy relationship. Lauren Cohen, of course, Martha Wayne. Um, in uh, Batman versus Superman, people forget mm. her and Jeffrey D. Morgan, another Walking Dead uh, class actor. Um, Stephen Ye- Stephen Young, it's in. That's a good question. Who he's going to play? Because there's kind of three buckets he could fall into for me. But he's a big enough name where I think he is limited down to three buckets. He could be playing like the antagonist. You know, the rumor the rumor is Sentry right. um, for the antagonist of Thunderbolts. The like you know kind of. Superman with an edge, uh, Marvel character, uh, Sentry, but Homelander kind of a deal, a Homelander yeah. situation for sure. That would require that Mickey Mouse workout. You know what I mean? The 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 Disney supplements for sure. But that could be cool. Right. We've seen it done before. Um, he could be that, or he could be like you said, one of these supporting government roles that these big actors kind of tend to fall into. Martin Freeman, uh, Colby Smolders, um, you just mentioned uh, Amelia Clark playing Abigail Brand, um, <laughs> which was leaked in a GIF uh, that Marvel Studios forgot yeah. to untitle. <laughs> but, uh, so you know, funny. those are big actors playing government entities that, you know, you look at the MCU, Samuel L. Jackson, like I said, Martin Freeman, all these other huge actors are kind of those glue pieces for the universe building kind of thing. He could very well do that. Or, 
he can do the Ant-Man of the Lost Quantumania thing where you cast Bill Murray and you cast that dude from The Good Place that everybody loves and do nothing right. with them. That's yeah. it's, and that that's a real reality at this point in the MCU with it being as big as it is. These actors are hyped to be in movies a little bit more despite the amount of that role. The guy from The Good Place, I don't remember his name, but people love him and people had him as Reed Richards. Like people had he's a yeah. he's a top five Reed Richards fan casting across the Internet. And he played a nothing role in Ant-Man of the Lost Quantumania. He was funny. I liked I liked his humor. I liked, you know, just like his bits but he was a secondary character to a tertiary group. <laughs> like it's uh, yeah. so that that is a reality as well. That is a tad frightening. David, speaking of things that are frightening, moving over uh, to the blue brand. There's been a recent report, a rumor, so to speak. Um, this isn't confirmed in any sort of way, but the the story is that it is being rumored that Lady Gaga's Harley Quinn in uh, the Todd Phillips Joker two. The De La Croix, wherever the hell it is. Harley Quinn in this movie will be a patient at Arkham Asylum as opposed to a doctor. How do you feel about this twist in the character? And how do you feel about it within the context of what we saw in Joker 1? How does that kind of mold into this Joker a little better than maybe a doctor would? Or would you rather see her as a doctor? No, I like this idea. I like the idea that she's a patient. Even just... It's funny enough from that little still picture we got of those two like on the floor with each other. I almost got the vibes just from the look on her face that she was also like a psychiatric patient Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the asylum, you know, or like I like the idea that she's already a bit crazy and the similarities being, you know, maybe she's a little loony in the head, but he's the one that kind of like draws to her and like really pulls the harleen you know like the harleen quinzel out of her. yeah exactly it really kind of uh you know draws that out and I, either way i think with this todd phillips joker universe whatever franchise they've already made so many creative decisions that don't follow along with like what the comics say necessarily mm-hmm. i mean even just the joker having an origin story it's not a batman story it simply is a joker story to a certain extent, I mean, yeah. the Waynes are involved, but it's it's not a Batman story. You know what I mean? I, I would agree with you. Like the Waynes being involved, I thought was very cool. I started to lose it a little bit when Bruce Wade specifically got involved. <laughs> and that right. that's what bugged me about it. But anyway, sorry. Continue. The, yeah. Yeah. I would say maybe a flaw in the movie is like seeing Bruce's parents die in front of him exactly. the a millionth time. Exactly. Um, and it'd be and it kind of. But I think that goes along with the idea that this was never supposed to have a sequel necessarily, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't have if it made a quarter of what it actually made, right? Fucking I mean, which were realistic, <laughs> realistic expectations at the time, like a quarter of a billion, like 250 million, that wouldn't have been that bad for that movie and ended up making a billion globally. So I'm excited about it. I think Lady Gaga is going to bring it in this movie and her introduction into this kind of weird DC Elseworld universe is exciting for me um and the idea that we could get some musical beats i think it's gonna be wacky and crazy i think it's i think this movie's gonna feel much less grounded than the first one i Mm. I, my prediction for this film is that it's gonna be like uh it's almost gonna have a switch flip between and might even do it with like the the color hue they put over the film where it's like some parts are from the real world and some parts are like inside their heads sure. or like inside Harley's head or something like that, where it is all like musical and singing in like crazy colors. 
Um, I think that could be a really cool idea because at this point, it's not about the descent of Arthur, like in Joker one. It's just now that he's in this place, where do we go from there? (laughs) Like now, now he's just simply the Joker. And I wonder where the future lies. Like I, and kind of jumps into the point of, does this mean there's going to be a Joker three? Like, are they building to something now? It did, did DC go to our, uh, to Todd Phillips, I should say, and say, Hey, you know, make a sequel, but also maybe keep a third one in mind as well. I I think that it's such a interesting thing they've potentially set up where, uh, again, I got to rewatch this movie. So forgive me if I'm like misremembering things, but like a big part of the fall of Arthur into becoming the Joker was a loneliness factor was nobody liked him was like he goes yeah. to work and he's got this laugh issue that he has and people talk shit. You know what I mean? Like people make fun of him. He, and, and they're all comedians, they're all clowns or whatever. But like, you know, the scene in the apartment is like very visceral because it's he's tired of people either making fun of him or leaving him as friends. The idea that uh, the Joker character, and what he did with Bob De Niro, it, it didn't just unlock Joker within Arthur and lead to the smile moment, which I still contest top 10 comic book movie moment of all time um it also unlocked crime in gotham like like that is something a world building aspect or reaction i guess to this character i didn't see coming as i watched the movie so with him unlocking crime the way he's done you know he, he he probably gained some status he probably gained some recognition amongst the underground community of gotham which we all know is very fleshed out and vibrant and you know extensive it takes a pretty sick ass person to look at the person who unlocked crime in gotham and find admiration like oh i'm a joker fan oh my gosh arthur like you know he's the he's the guy who stood on the cop and he's the guy who shot robert de niro on tv like i'm a fan of yep. his now that makes sense for harley quinn to be this like very disturbed human being who sees someone shoot johnny carson and unlock crime in Gotham and be infatuated by that. I think that that is a good decision for this character to one, let Lady Gaga eat a little bit. You know what I mean? You know, that's a a lot of good acting uh, opportunities there. And two, separate from Margot Robbie. It might be premature, but Margot Robbie's success as Harley Quinn is already, in my opinion, established enough where it is the Batman thing. It is the Spider-Man thing. It is the, those, I guess those are really the only two. You have to do something different than the other Harley Quinn. Like, n- right. If Robert Pattinson came out and tried to be Christian Bale, we would all boo because you can't do that. Like, that's not gonna, that's not going to be as fun. She can't come out and try to be Harleen Quinzel um, from the DCEU. So changing this core part of her origin from doctor to patient, I think, is an easy way to do that and then build from there. I, I, I like the idea of Lady Gaga looking at what. Arthur did in Joker one and being like kind of obsessed with that. And this kind of leads to that just a little bit. Speaking of the DCEU, our second story here from the blue brand, the Aquaman two test screenings came out and um, test screenings are a very interesting thing. They're kind of used uh, by studios to release to certain people and get notes on how to improve their movie, you know, just different things to look for and we've seen a lot of different ranges of what test screenings can do to a movie the flash test screenings i think are why ezra miller is still barry allen 
because everybody loved it so much. And it has come to fruition in a trailer that also everybody loves. The Aquaman 2 test screenings, David, it's reportedly the worst DCEU movie ever. And there's some bad DCEU movies. That's saying something, yeah. Yeah. So what are your what are your thoughts hearing those very, very, very early reports that were followed up by reshoots coming very soon due to these test screenings? So to me, it all adds up. It gets delayed eight months to, by the way, Christmas Day, not December 22nd, which is the Friday before Christmas, which, by the way, I feel like it's more of a premier marquee spot not actually christmas day christmas day release to me in a way almost puts the pressure off it a bit it's not that like it doesn't get that weekend before christmas it's saying hey on christmas day if you're bored come out and see aquaman so that to me is not a putting it on christmas day is not a power move it is kind of a we're avoiding the normal weekend opening one and two, we're kind of relying on some of the holiday spirit. So it's delayed, a Christmas Day release way in advance, right? James Gunn didn't talk much about this one, right? He talked a lot about The Flash, said it was one of the best movies ever made. You know, he didn't talk much about Shazam, didn't talk much about Aquaman, talked about Blue Beetle a little bit, and focused a lot on The Flash in terms of these movies coming up. I truly believe this is going to be one of the worst dcu movies i just think that is almost certainly lined up after this you know uh report about um test screenings because this isn't all just a coincidence in terms of the delay and guns kind of laissez-faire i don't know kind of reaction to it or like lack thereof and i don't think it's a very good movie i think it's gonna be very forgettable I think DC Studios is going to want people to forget about it. And they just put so much money into the movie. They have to release it. The first one made a billion dollars. There's still a lot of money to be made here. That's the thing, too. This thing could still be a very big commercial hit, possibly. But if it really does stink as much as people are saying it does or, you know, thinking it does, it's not going to do very well. But like we said, you know, there's there's a ton of time, like test screenings right now in February to when it actually releases 10 months from now not a good sign there's so much that could change um but it's not a good sign at all and i'm i'm still annoyed it is it is being released so late i wish that we were kind of getting this over with Mm -hmm. i i wish that maybe blue beetle in between but i really wish the flash was wrapping up the dceu of course you know i think it kind of stinks that aquaman is even releasing after the flash because if the flash really is resetting the whole universe to what's going to be chapter one, gods and monsters heading into creature commandos, Waller. Um, and then of course, Superman legacy Aquaman being at the end of this year just stinks. And it's at a prime spot to make money, but there seems to be no faith in this film. Amber Heard situation, Jason Momoa, maybe jumping ship and going to Lobo possibly. It's just, it, there's so it's so messy. This is just one of those examples that we're going to look back on, hopefully not in a very negative way where it's like, oh, OK, that was just a bump in the road. Right. Remember Aquaman 2? That kind of came and went. And now we don't care about it. You know, I hope these kinds of moves, even thinking of Shazam as well, these kinds of movies coming out for DC don't deter what is the end goal in terms of starting from starting from the beginning, right? Starting anew with Superman legacy and building out this DC universe. I'm just hoping they don't do enough. 
I'm hoping they don't do too much bad to turn away audiences from a DC movie because of films like this. Sure. And I think, and we talked about this when Gods and Monsters was announced. Um, I love that we have a name for it. I love that there's you know validity to it. I love that we can reference it without being like, whatever the next DC is going to be. When Gods and Monsters right. was announced, we did talk about it's important to brand the new DCU to people as a reboot, as a fresh start, because that's going to have people in their minds if they didn't like Aquaman. Okay, now we're getting something new. It's a switch, right? Um, this isn't surprising to me either at all. I think I got to think about it. It could be a fun draft, actually, to take all the billion dollar movies in uh, that have ever been made and draft like the most surprising ones, because this is the yeah. most surprising billion dollar movie in my opinion that being aquaman and i know it and it's so it's so weird and stupid but i feel like a kiss of death for a comic book movie these days is when people say oh it was fun you know like like when you when you when you're a person who cares about comic book movies and your response is oh it was fun it's yes it can be fun and that that could be all you got out of it but if that's all you got out of it, it made a billion dollars because it was fun. Um, I think that Aquaman has some amazing CGI battles. I think it's a spectacle of, you know, cartoon DC brought to life. And I think that part of it is very cool. Other than that, I don't think there is much. Other than that, I don't think there's a lot to latch onto. And when you look at Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, if you take away, they probably cut a lot of scenes building towards something else. And that's going to leave some disjointed parts of the movie. And that's probably what they're reshooting, right? To fill in the gaps that were left by any sort of rewrites um, to what uh, Aquaman 3 could potentially be. Um, so that that's going to be tough. Obviously, we're going to give this one a little bit of a different scale because it is the last movie of a dying franchise. And that's hard to do. So like, I can't I can't blame Justin Lin, right? Yeah, I believe so. I can't I can't blame Justin Lin and the writers for the difficult situation they're put in, but I'm not surprised that this isn't getting good screenings. It makes sense. Um I'm more surprised that the Flash is getting good reviews than I am Aquaman getting bad reviews. You know what I mean? Right. And I think that's a good way to contextualize it. And speaking of contextualizing things, which isn't a good transition because it's not like we're gonna contextualize anything, um, you know, huge here, but moving over to the galaxy far, far away, ladies and gentlemen. Your Mandalorian Season 3 mini primer. David, let's talk about Mando. There's been a handful of news bits that's come out about Mando 3 um, over the past couple days. The first of which is that Mando 4 has already been written by Jon Favreau Mm. and being planned by Favreau and Filoni. They got a plan. They're sticking to it. It's very exciting stuff. But also, Mandalorian Season 3 Episode 1. 35 minutes, a very brisk 35-minute yeah. episode of The Mandalorian. Um, let's let's dive into it. Let's dive into our expectations for Mandalorian Season 3. David, where are you at going into Season 3? Um, you know, just kind of, you know, the overall thoughts, I guess. You know, what are you excited about? What are your biggest questions? All those different things as we are just a few days away. Well, I'm excited to kind of re-explore, I guess, uh, Grogu and Din Djarin's relationship, which was, you know, re, I don't know, they reunited in Book of Boba Fett, which 
it is controversial because of what happened at the end of Mandalorian. You know, if you never watched Book of Ix. Boba Fett and you missed those two Mandalorian episodes within that show, um, you kind of be like, wait, what? But hey, that's why they do the whole recap videos at the end of or at the beginning of every episode, which are very good. Mandalorian's very yes. good recap videos. I appreciate that. I agree. And I normally watch them. I normally, well, sometimes I do skip them. It depends on where we are. This one I will right. definitely be watching. Um, can't can't wait for this one, actually, because they always set you up. There's always so much going on in Mandalorian that they always set you up with the based on the preview, like the recap video. You almost know what you're getting yourself into per episode. Yeah, it's like, oh, th- you know, Carl Weathers is being shown more here. Or, here know, comes Carl cool. Weathers. Yeah, like, <laughs> the, the, the woman with the little bots that does the, uh, you know, that works on the ships on Tatooine Circus. is in this one. Oh, okay, cool. You know, um, or then there's, uh, what's the guy with the dark saber? Oh my gosh, I'm blanking. Uh, John Carlo um, Esposito, Moff Gideon. Yes, <laughs> yes, Moff Gideon. Um, but really, I think my expectations are pretty high. I think Mandalorian is the standard for Star Wars streaming on Disney Plus still, um, in my opinion. Andor is its own thing where now I would say Andor and the Mandalorian are like the two top tier dogs in terms of Star Wars streaming on Disney Plus. Like they're both fantastic for different reasons. I think the Mandalorian this year, as it has kind of in season two as well, is going to lean more into, let's say, the Force jedi you know discovering mandalore things like that it seems like we might get another flashback scene to um order 67 which i'm excited about 66 friend what are we doing here oh 66 you're the star wars guy david (laughs) i I, was thinking about going 69 then i went back down didn't quite get back oh you were going for the joke i respect that (laughs) it's better than getting it wrong (laughs) (laughs) no 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 um but I, I think in general, I'm most excited about seeing where the story is going because Mandalorian kind of ended in season two. Like if you just said that was the end of the series, I'd be like, OK, that was great. <laughs> you know, I had a great time. So I'm curious where they move from here. We got a tidbit of it in um, Book of Boba Fett. Bring it in the end one starfighter. God, Ugh, that ship's amazing. Wizard. I cannot wait for the action. The action sequences in this are going to be awesome. I can already tell because, you know, as we progress, as it is in shows, even in movies, you know, as the franchise progresses, you get more and more action sequences typically. Uh-huh. Um, and I cannot wait for these. The dark saber in play. It's going to be awesome. Like, there's going to be some holy shit moments. I know um, it seems like Bo-Katan might be the main antagonist of this season but we'll see how that plays out there's a lot of story to be told here and obviously keeping an eye on grogu what his situation is do we get luke back in this um based on book of boba fett i would say we probably do see luke in this season at some point just because they've gotten the cgi ai effects on his face down really well in my opinion Mm -hmm. you know there was it was a huge improvement from mando season two to book of boba fett so all that being said um i am expecting a lot of surprises a lot of fun maybe seeing hayden who knows <laughs> at this point they're all back man they're all here and back and flashbacks are very prevalent in all these star wars series so i'm excited to see it all and i'm also expecting in terms of not something i'm necessarily excited about i expect some ahsoka teasing yeah ahsoka tee up of some kind right get people excited for the next one universe building type shit mm-hmm. kind of like marvel 
this Mandoverse is growing. It is expanding. And I think they do want to keep things connected. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, I don't I don't remember when Skeleton Crew is supposed to be set, but I think it's around this time. Yeah. I don't think it's a prequel kind of a deal, um, even though all this are technically now prequels. But anywho, Matt, where are you at? Right. Star Wars is back. We've been gone for a little while, especially the Mandoverse, right? We haven't been in the Mandoverse for a while since Book of Boba Fett. That kind of left a bad taste in our mouths a little bit. Now we're back. It's not Andor. It's the Mandalorian. Pedro Pascal owns this year on streaming. and It's going to continue to. It's unbelievable. I'm, I'm, I can't wait to see this guy twice a week now on my screen. It's so good. Blows my mind that that's happening. Like, like it's, yeah. it's earth shattering uh, to know that Pedro Pascal is going to own two days a week for the next month. That's wild. Um, uh, Andalorian would be a fun little crossover. Has anybody made that joke yet? <laughs> Am I the first one to think of Andalorian? That's a good question. Um, with here's where I'm at with Mandalorian, and you know this is something that if you've listened to this podcast since day one, you've seen me do this before. But I recently got back into Clone Wars, and um, I left off on season four, and I never watched another episode for months and months and months and months and months. And months besides, uh, you know any clips that Jack Pugh sends me. Um, and then I rewatched, uh, I, I went to Jack and I got kind of a, what episodes do I need to watch for Mandalorian season three to kind of know where everybody's coming from. And so I watched uh, seasons four through seven, the essentials, I guess, um, for Mandalorian season three. And wow, oh wow, am I excited. <laughs> knowing knowing what happened in Mandalore and, you know, spoilers, I guess, for Clone Wars, but Bo-Katan's character, her her history not only with Mandalore but the dark saber and the Jedi and the Sith and you know she has seen some shit and uh, she has every reason in the world not to trust anybody Mandalorian radicalist or um, Jedi force wielders alike you know she has yeah. very much been a pocket um, this this what it, what you just said the fact that you think that they're going to lean more into the Jedi stuff here. Um, that is kind of like my biggest issue with what they did in Book of Boba Fett, bringing Grogu back, mm. was because I loved how, and I'm rewatching uh, season two of Mandalorian right now. I got like two episodes left, so I'm about to watch the episode. But uh, it probably the best episode of Disney Plus so far. Uh, but uh, yeah, what I loved so much about that episode was watching Mandalorian, Death Watch, and Bo Katan come together with Ahsoka in the background, the entire idea of a Jedi and a Mandalorian working together was just so cool watching season two back with the context of Clone Wars. Like that idea was so freaking dope. Um and to see it end the way it did in season two where it really was like Mando, Bo Katan, Boba Fett, Finnick Shand, Death Watch giving Grogu, somebody that they've all come to know and love Everybody loves Grogu. Like that's watching season watching season two. That's something I learned is like anytime somebody sees Baby Yoda again after they hadn't seen him in a while, they're so excited and and I love that. Giving him to Luke, knowing that that's what's best, separated the Jedi Mandalorian thing that they welded together in such a cool way. So bringing him back kind of bums that out for me a little bit. But I actually think they're gonna dive more into the Mandalorian stuff here than the Jedi stuff. Obviously, Grogu's in it. We're going to get Jedi content. I think it's going to be more so 
teach and, and again I go back to that scene in the trailer where Bo Katan talks to Grogu. Oh, you thought he was the only Mandalorian? And like this very really spooky, eerie, almost white lotusy version of the Mando theme plays. Bo Katan's mm-hmm. talking to Grogu about the Jedi, something that she's very poisoned on. That conflict I'm excited for. You know what I mean? That yeah. like like, you know, the biggest thing a Jedi can do to make himself vulnerable is care about somebody, right? What happens when Bo-Katan gets into Grogu's ear the same way she got into Ahsoka's ear about not trusting the Jedi as much as maybe you should. So I think that's going to be exciting. You mentioned the action scenes. I think that's going to be incredible. Um, And I just I just can't wait for more of the we've gotten to the point. Season three is almost like the third movie in a trilogy where we know all of these characters so well at this point. And if you've watched Clone Wars, you know them even more fan service payoff action sequence hype cameos they all fit in a season three where we know these characters so well where it's going to be hard for something not to feel earned we're that invested and i just can't wait i can't wait to see the progression of mando's suit even further you know watching watching season one back where he's a legit cowboy with the with the cape and the scarf and all those things and then season two obviously with the best guard decked um you know rolling into chromes and a hood <laughs> you know, I mean, I just can't wait to see what the next evolution of that is. And anytime Grogu uses the force off screen is going to be hype as hell because, you know, we're getting a Jedi theme at some point. We're not like it's going to be it's going to be sick. I'm very excited, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. That is everything you need to know about the universes you love. And let's move right into our mini feature where we will rank Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. David, it is time to finally end our journey Uh-oh. with Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania and rank this thing within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. A very quick reminder for everybody at home who's keeping track. Um, let's remind everybody of our MCU ranking preferences. Kind of let, let everybody know where we're at with the MCU, what our favorites are, what our least favorites are, and what our favorites have been lately. So uh, let's, let's ping pong this. Just list them off. Any thoughts you might have. David, uh, what are your top five MCU movies? Top five in descending order. Um, I think that's what that means. Starting so at five? Okay. Starting at five. We're on the same page. Yeah. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, number five. Number four is Captain America Civil War. Number three is Avengers Infinity War. Number two is Avengers Endgame. And number one is Spider-Man No Way Home. Awesome. My number five is also Spider-Man Homecoming. And then nice. number four, Spider-Man No Way Home. Number three, Captain America Civil War. Number f- number two, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, of course. And then number one, Avengers Infinity War, the perfect comic book movie. Um, we have four of the same top five. I find that awesome. We do. I find that cool. Yeah. And I have Endgame at like seven, <laughs> you know, just like just outside. It's barely not there. Uh, now, yep. now your bottom five, numbers 26 Ooh. through 30, I believe, is what that's going to end up being. Don't include Quantumania if it's in there. Something I should have said. Yeah. I, I okay. Um, so I guess we'll say black. <laughs> we'll, we'll, <laughs> um, kind of awkward, but uh, we'll, we'll go with the. Uh, so um, that's my bad. Black Widow. That's no, all right. Black Widow. Thor. This is by the way now ascending order. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm heading to the final. Yeah. So Black Widow, Thor, Ant Man and the Wasp. Captain Marvel, Incredible Hulk, and then last, 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 last on everyone's list, 
Thor The Dark World. Of course. Of course. Some people say it's the best Thor movie. Um, my <laughs> bottom five, uh, Iron Man 3, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Thor, The Incredible Hulk, and Thor The Dark World. Now, let's let's go through um, phase four as well, David. And, you know, maybe just some insight on, like, you know, your biggest preferences. Maybe a tear break here uh, with this one. Uh, what are your phase four rankings um, yeah, so- in the MCU? Yeah, just jumping off in terms of the shows get messy with me, but just looking at the movies here, mm-hmm. um, the top one, Shang-Chi, Wakanda Forever, um, Multiverse of Madness and Thor Love and Thunder. Now, those to me, um, I have a hard time back and forth with Multiverse of Madness and Thor Love and Thunder. Um, uh, off of initial readings, <laughs> I think I had Love and Thunder a little higher, but I don't know, over time, I've kind of switched those. And then I've got Eternals. Uh, Black Widow. I, I guess I have Black Widow as of right now before Quantumania listed as my lowest ranked phase four movie going into this one. Right. And keep in mind, Quantumania is phase five. You left off No Way Home. Oh, right. In that ranking. No Way Home is on its own tier. It's on it's on its own uh, ancestral plane. But it's number mind. one in your phase four ranking. <laughs> it's number one in my everything rankings. OK. Yes. OK. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Awesome stuff. Okay, so it's really interesting. I came into this with a quandary, a problem, a, a dilemma I'm going through, and it's so funny. You have the exact same one. Uh, it's been almost a year, and I still cannot decide where I land on on Thor: Love and Thunder and Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Which one I have? Yeah, right. Over which they're back to back my rankings, and I was hoping same. we could kind of talk out. And figure it out for each of us. I'm not saying we have to come up with the same answer. But for each of us, where we land. So my phase four rankings really quick. No Way Home, Wakanda Forever, Shang-Chi. Very much a pronounced and obvious tier above the rest. Those, yes. are, those are all three top 15 movies for me. And they're all great. And for anybody Mine, who says phase four doesn't have anything good, those three movies beg to differ. Yeah, for me, Shang-Chi's 15, Wakanda Forever 16. And then to me, there is a teardrop, which sure. in my opinion, then go, like kind of digging more of the weeds in terms of like all the movies, then to me, it drops to volume two for Guardians. That's just my opinion. Okay. And then we get into the rest of the films. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So those three for each of us on a whole nother level. My bottom two also Eternals and Black Widow in that order. Um, so Love and Thunder and Multiverse Damn. of Madness. I, I just want to, here's where I'm coming from. I think that the ceiling for Multiverse of Madness, not before the movie, the ceiling within the movie it could have been was so high. It could have been a top 10 movie if it made just a handful of other decisions that I felt could have lifted it there. But because those decisions they didn't make, I actually end up think negatively impact the movie. It doesn't reach its ceiling even close, but the ceiling was so high. Thor Love and Thunder, on the other hand, I feel like, was about as good as the movie it was trying to be could have been. You know what I mean? Mm. I can't think of anything I would change about Love and Thunder to improve it, but its ceiling, I think, is much lower than a Multiverse Madness because it's trying to have more fun, because right. it is a little bit more poppy, because it's the fourth movie. You know what I mean? Like, it is the one for mm-hmm. them uh, movie with Taika Waititi. So I think Thor Love and Thunder reaches its ceiling a little better, whereas Multiverse Madness doesn't but they kind of fall right into the same range for me a little bit. And that's, what's making it difficult. I think it's, it's, I like multiverse of madness more, but I'm mad at it for what it didn't do. Should I put it above love and thunder for that? 
Yeah. See, one. So here's my argument that I recently had because I've had the same conundrum lately, and I I recently moved Love and Thunder down below Multiverse of Madness for this this reason. I think Multiverse of Madness is one more well written, even though there's a ton of writing issues. I would say from Michael Waldron there, and secondly, I think its villain, which is Scarlet Witch, there. I think Gore is better than people give him credit for. But he was underutilized. And at least in Multiverse of Madness, Wanda was not underutilized. And I think if you go back and watch that movie and you just follow the, you know, hero versus villain arc and just the journey of Doctor Strange, it's a bit better than the journey of Thor. Even though I would say the side characters of Love and Thunder, I might have enjoyed even more. Sure. Because I didn't love America Chavez. But I love Jane Foster in this movie. This was Jane Foster's best movie as Mighty Thor. I dug that entire storyline. I get the criticisms of there's too many jokes. But I also think in both these movies, I think the serious, solemn moments work. You know, like him talking to Christine. You know, I'd love you in any universe. Everything with Jane and Thor in the hospital room. And then later, like in the, what what would you call that? Like the, God, what what was that area? The Gate of Eternity. uh, yeah, okay, the Gate of Eternity. Is that what we... I mean, That's what it's called in the movie, I believe. Okay, then we'll go with that, right? Like, I, th- I thought all that worked. I just think that if you're kind of... You kind of have to go with a pro-con list. Mm-hmm. I feel like the pro of Multiverse of Madness's journey and how succinct that kind of adventure was, plus the fact that Wanda was a pretty fleshed-out villain yeah. gives it, like, the slight nod for me. No, and, and the way you laid that out made the decision for me because you're right i think that what what keeps multiverse of madness from being a great top 15 like movie for me is that it it the sam raiminess of it gets in the way of the best parts of the movie like the best parts of the movie i think are the intrigue with wanda what is happening with the illuminati is as far as like they're scared of strange when in reality they should be scared of wanda and that's proven um and just like what is happening with those characters and i think the sam raiminess of it you know go back to hell zombie strange uh you know the looney tunes fight which is incredible don't get me wrong it just kind of takes away from the impact of that movie um whereas love and thunder none of that happens but does it ever reach the heights that Multiverse of Madness does? And for me, I think it comes down to the execution, like you said. It's not so much which villain do you think is better, Wanda or Gore. It's which villain do you think is used better at the end of the day? Because if you want to call that a wash as far as quality, Wanda is that movie. Whereas Gore could have been a little more in that movie. So I agree. So I think, you know, as a podcast, Multiverse of Madness over Love of Thunder. But again, back to back of my rankings. Same tier. Same exact tier. Same here. And now... Yeah. The moment of truth, we move on to our Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania rankings. First, David, where does this movie rank in the Ant-Man franchise for you? So in the Ant-Man franchise, I have it as the second best Ant-Man movie and also the second worst, right? So I have it at number two. I have Ant-Man, then Ant-Man Quantumania, then Ant-Man and the Wasp, in my opinion fantastic i have the same franchise ranking i think that uh what ant-man did was introduce scott introduce hank introduce these side characters that we all love and did it in a unique at the time heist movie that is something we had never seen along with all the 
perspective fighting that we never saw. So I think that is what Ant-Man brought to the table, and it still holds above Quantumania and Ant-Man of the Lost for me. And I think Ant-Man, decent villain, very good origin story, I would say, as far as origins go. Like, in my overall rankings, I have Ant-Man right below First Avenger. And I think those are actually comparable movies in a lot of different ways in terms of, like, introducing a new character, how they get there. You know, Ant-Man and Captain America are both characters, heroes, that didn't invent their abilities, if that makes sense. Yeah. Right? Like, like he got the serum because he was chosen. Scott became, you know, got the suit suit. because he was also kind of chosen, Mm -hmm. right? So they're they're both kind of comparable to me. But like you said, a fun heist movie, nothing too crazy, nothing shattering the walls of the MCU in like an amazing way, nothing too, I would say, phenomenal about the writing, but genuinely funny, especially with Michael Pena in there, Um, and in a decent flick, right? There are you get you. It's a very simple movie, I would say, that kind of gets lost in the weeds of the MCU. But it's solid. And I think it's I think it still is the best Ant-Man movie. It being a simple movie, I think, lends to it as well. I think that Ant-Man does the origin thing better than Ant-Man of the Wasp did did the sequel thing and better than Quantumania did the third movie thing as well. I agree. And also, like, you know, yes, it does get lost in the impact shuffle of the MCU. But it has that line after Avengers Age of Ultron. All right. The first thing we should do. Call the Avengers. And then Hank Pym, they're probably too busy dropping cities on people. Like, that is the, here's what normal yeah. people in the world think of the Avengers. You know, normal people right. in the world. Hank Pym, an original Avenger for S.H.I.E.L.D. But, um, you know, here's what Scott Lane thinks of the Avengers. Oh, my God, this horrible thing is happening. Let's call the Avengers. <laughs> like, and think about it, too. Yeah, I agree. And we need more of that in the MCU, I think, especially with, like, certain events. We've gotten a little bit of it, but I think we, we need more. Um, yeah. Even, like, we saw with Miss Marvel retconning that, like, Statue of Liberty scene. You know, it's stuff like that. Like, you know, let's let's reference the hand sitting out of the ocean or whatever from eternals things like that you know like i don't know but but i will say kind of just sticking with ant-man too it's got a good ant origin like story in terms of like hank pym and the pym particles and all these things that we just kind of know it adds to our marvel vocabulary at this point but that was the origins of all that even like the quantum realm you know it's it's a cool beginning i would say our first time seeing paul rudd written as an mcu character like, like that right. is that is an impactful comedic element to the MCU that I think just unfortunately hasn't been built on. It's been I think it's been steadily utilized, but I'm not sure they've built on that the way that they've built on Tony Stark, the way that they've built on Steve Rogers um, in the MCU. Speaking of Tony Stark and Steve Rogers, this is our fifth completed trilogy in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, Spider-Man and now Ant-Man, uh, David, where does this trilogy rank on the trilogies of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, not including the Avengers? Got it. This One would, five. Yeah, this ranks dead last. Um, I'll just give you that. Yeah. You want me to go through the whole list? Uh, if you'd like, yeah. Sure. Where, I mean... Where you got what? Okay, so I have Spider-Man as the best trilogy. Okay. Um, I have Captain America as the second. Then I have... Yeah, but there's only four trilogies, right? Well... Oh, no. Thor. Yeah, Thor. I count the first three. Don't count Love and Thunder. Okay, then I'd go Iron Man. Then I would go Thor. Then I would go Ant-Man. Yep, I am uh, I am right there with you. And it is the fifth best trilogy. I don't think that that's a knock on this trilogy. I think these are all good movies. They're 
nothing. I don't think that Ant Man and the Wasp or Quantumania is the worst of those movies at all. I think the Thor trilogy has worse movies. I think the Iron Man trilogy has worse movies. Um, so like if that was the only criteria, it would rank ahead of those two. But I don't think the Ant-Man trilogy has a Ragnarok. I don't think the Ant-Man trilogy has an Iron Man. I think Ant-Man, the original, is kind of like Iron Man light. And like, it, it, you know, it has the pieces there, but not the impact. I think Quantumania is a little bit of Ragnarok like light. Uh, the pieces yeah. are all there, but it doesn't have the impact of the comedy, impact of the new worlds, impact of the visuals, stuff like that. Yeah. The only thing else I disagree with is personally, even just looking at my rankings, I think every Iron Man movie is better than every Ant-Man movie. But that's really just, that's what I think. Yep. Yep. I think I have Ant-Man ahead of both of the other Iron Man movies. Okay. Interesting. It's an, inter- I mean, it's yeah. an interesting take, right? Because like. You know, Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3, tons to love in both those movies. Don't get me wrong. But, like, you want to talk about getting lost in the shuffle. Iron Man 2 and Iron Man 3, they're lost in the shuffle of the MCU probably more than any other Phase 1 or 2 movie, right? Yeah, I suppose so. Um, Definitely Iron Man 2, for sure. Well, Um, okay, okay. Right? I mean, I think Iron Man 2 is definitely the most lost in the shuffle movie and, like, maybe all the mcu that's actually like a pivotal important sure. film building block like my counterpoint just, would be not, howard stark origin yeah no that howard stark's I, hey i have iron man 2 above any ant-man movie sure, so sure, sure. I, I enjoy <laughs> i enjoy the movie you know i like it i'm just saying in terms of i don't know getting like you said lost in the shuffle right i can totally see that but i that to me I think that's a great thing you brought up because for the Ant-Man franchise, that's where I feel like it's at in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Super just like supplementary side quest sure. thing. Just so when Paul Rudd appears in the Avengers, we get kind of what's going on, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and it's fun. It's cute. It's it's something. But to me, like Iron Man is too cool. That's the thing, though, too. It's it's a little bit of bias in terms of. Iron Man 100%. is such a cooler character. Right. Like, he's so much more cool. Right. <laughs> he's such a more interesting character and hero in my mind. So, I guess that's kind of where it goes for me. And I love Iron Man 3. And I think Iron Man 2 is a lot going for it. There's a lot of bad there, too. But I would still... I'd rather watch any of those movies than an Ant-Man movie, I would say. Okay. And the, the first one gets close. Sure. Sure. Okay. I, right on. I respect that. All right, David. It is time. We have both ranked this second in the Ant-Man franchise. We've ranked this fifth mm-hmm. out of the MCU trilogy. Where does Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania rank in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Yep. So the MCU is up to now 31 films, which is unbelievable. I think at the end of Endgame, there was like what? 23. 23. Wow. So we've already gotten so many since Endgame. I have this ranked Ant-Man and the Wasp. Ant-Man Quantumania, I yeah. should say. <laughs> Number 26. Okay. Um, deep down on my list, um, kind of to compare some things that would have Black Widow at 25. I have the original Thor at 27. And then it's fellow Ant-Man and movie, Ant-Man and the Wasp at 28. So I've had a 26 out of 31 movies. And I think what pulls it out of the depths of despair of like the bottom three genuinely is Kang mm-hmm. and nothing else. Because I, the more I've thought about this film, and ironically, the more I've heard people argue for the film, the more I've dug my heels in into why I didn't think it was very good. Yeah. <laughs> because of what you said earlier, because it was quote unquote fun, right? Mm-hmm. Because I had a good time watching it, because I thought Modoc's ass was cute and funny, right? Mm-hmm. I 
am not a believer in any of that. You know, I thought Modoc had some funny moments, but I don't think that makes the movie suddenly good. Right. Right. And the movie just, by the way, there was no box office report today, just tanked at the second weekend, the biggest, steepest drop in the MCU's history and one of the steepest drops of any film that's open with $100 million or more. Right. So I think there is that kind of, you know, against the grain ideology of, hey, the audiences are liking it more than the critics, but audiences aren't going back to see this movie. So the proof is a little bit in the pudding here. Yeah, and it's it's very much reminiscent of politics. It's very much reminiscent of putting your takes out on Twitter. It's either, like, for a lot of people, it seems to be either the worst movie ever or the, you know, a really, really great, the best anime movie, right? And um, for me, I'm the exact same way where Jonathan Majors Kang does carry this movie up because I think if you... we Villains in the MCU is such an interesting thing because... So many times we point to some of the best MCU movies. Well, why are they the best? Well, it has all these things, but it also has a really great villain. Um, you know, yeah. you look at the top MCU movies, they all have the best villains. And I think that that is what really puts this movie into perspective for me. If this movie had a mid-tier MCU villain, I think it would be much, much lower on my list. But because it has a top couple tier MCU villain. I'm not going to say top tier MCU villain for this version of Kang, but I will say like, you know, he is in, you know, that upper echelon of MCU villains. And I think that carries it up to 24th for me in the MCU. It is uh, right behind one spot behind Ant-Man. So I, I think Kang gets it there. Don't get me wrong. And, you know, there's other things to like about this movie, but those other things are comedy beats. Those other things are, um, you know, a cute moment with Scott and Cassie. Those aren't the things I put as much value into. And, you know, if that is what you love about the movie, that's fantastic. But for me personally, those things aren't going to carry it up my list. Whereas a, a great villain will. And it falls in at 24 for me. So just a couple spots ahead of you. One spot behind Ant-Man. And, uh, yeah, I got to... I gotta, my my just real quick, my 19 through 24 is Thor, Love and Thunder, Multiverse of Madness, Eternals, Black Widow, Ant-Man and Quantumania. So Ant-Man really is the outlier in that grouping, being the only non multiverse saga movie. So, yeah, it's interesting. I got to rewatch Eternals and kind of see where I put that. But ladies and gentlemen, that yeah. has been our Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania rankings. And I'll say this. I love Marvel movies. I love all Marvel movies. Don't get me wrong. I am so excited to not talk about this movie much more because the critic reaction, I think, is absurdly low. It's not nearly as bad as the critic score says it is. But because of that, the defense of this movie has swung too much the other way. Just because a movie's fun, that's not enough for me anymore in the MCU. You need to be more than fun. And I think it's such a weird, polarizing way this movie has been uh received yeah it should be around if it was on rotten tomatoes not a 47 which is a tank it's just like eternals eternal shouldn't have been that low either no if it was around like 60 65 okay sure. i think we'd all more accept it and it's not like and i'm i bash this movie all the time but i agree with you i don't think it's necessarily 47 percent bad i think it might be around there i think maybe 55 but like and i have a lot of issues with it but looking at my rankings, too, what's so fascinating about this is that compared to all the other villains in the same tier that I have, Quantumania, Ant-Man, Quantumania I'm talking about, 
has the best villain by a mile. By far. And what does that tell you about the movie? Yeah. Like, that is so yeah, sad. Yeah, it's a good this point. Is, this is, you know when they talk about sometimes, oh, you've never seen anything like this in the MCU. This is unprecedented, unprecedented territory for the MCU. This truly is because of the execution of the film. The villain is by far the best part, and all of the other characters are underwritten, and the ending isn't very good. <laughs> you know, so it's it's so unique in that sense where I feel like all these other movies are kind of uplifted by their characters, Uniqueness. supporting characters, their their stories, you know, just kind of like maybe mm-hmm. even they're like smaller stories, the humor perhaps. Like I'm, I'm looking at a Black Widow, right? I think Black Widow is significantly better than Quantumania in a sense, yet I have it one spot above it. Because, because I thought the villain wasn't as intriguing. Because you know? exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. It is interesting. And it's an outlier, really, because Phase 4 did such a good job introducing new characters. And I will say, I did like Cassie in this. I'm excited for Cassie moving forward. I liked her being that more cartoonish, inexperienced superhero. Something we really haven't seen in the MCU in quite some time. Think about the new heroes we've met. Kate Bishop came to us pretty fully cooked. Uh, Yolanda Belova. Arguably a better Black Widow than Natasha. The Eternals obviously have been doing this thing for years and centuries, right? Cassie is the first like inexperienced new superhero we've gotten. Uh, Miss Marvel is a different case because that's an entire show about that. All those different things. Yeah. I just like I just like Cassie, Cassie, America Chavez, and a little bit of Kate Bishop being this kind of like inexperienced version but even america chavez had like a bag to her she knew how to navigate the multiverse and she knew to go find food as soon as you get there which still one of to this day one of the coolest lines for that movie is like first order of business when you go into a new universe find food find food immediately (laughs) and i love that i love that for america chavez whereas cassie i think had a little bit more of she is the younger Cassie that we saw in the first two Ant-Man and I think that's another quality that isn't talked about enough to bring this up to 24 for me that's just my argument there for 24 yeah. and I'm I'm not saying I'm like tired of talking about Quantumania I'm excited that I don't have to balance that line of like it's not as bad as the critics say but it's not as good as some other people say I'm, I'm excited to not do that anymore it's 24 it's a 24th ranked movie for me I'm here for it and ladies and gentlemen mm-hmm. that has been your MCU rankings update we'll be back for Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. Hell yeah. Yeah. I assume... I got high expectations for where this is going to rank. 100%. Me as well. Uh, I assume Secret Evasion will not finish before Guardians Volume 3. That that would that would be weird to me. Um, I feel like it should be my announced. My guess is it comes out after. Just after, though, right? Because it can't come out my, too much my, after. It's May 5th. My guess is it comes out... Maybe the end of May or starting in June. Okay, that you see, it's it, to me, it's just been the spring label we've had this entire time. It's ambiguous. It's coming out in the spring. That's summer to me. But there, it is, and I think they're changing things up. Okay, I think this is a, it's going to be a shift. It's going to be a change. This is not. I think I think they've planned on maybe overlapping with Mando. I don't think they have any intention of that anymore. I, I think, don't think Bob Iger coming back. Yeah. I think I don't think they have any intention of overlapping these Disney Marvel shows at. Or Star Wars Marvel shows ever again. Genuinely, I, th- I don't think that. And that's less of a decision about Secret Invasion, I think, and more of a decision about taking more time with Ironheart. Totally. It, giving Ironheart a little more love has given them the option to push Secret Invasion back a little bit. Something they know everybody's oh. going to be excited for. Yeah, all they care about for Disney Plus on Marvel is releasing, they've said this, 
you know, or it was reported. Consistency. Secret Invasion and Loki. Those are their two big hitters for 2023. And if we get anything else, if we get an Echo, you know, maybe not Echo, but Echo, Ironheart, any of this, it will be at the end of the year, maybe in a Book of Boba Fett style release date. It's very exciting stuff. So with all that being said, we'll be back with MCU rankings for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I am so very excited. And also, we're probably going to rank it exactly like this. Where does it rank in the Guardians franchise? Where does it rank in the trilogies? Oh, trilogies. Dude, Holy stop, shit. stop. I'm, gonna, I'm about <laughs> to burn some shit down if this movie's good, dude. Like, I know Cap and Spider-Man have a stranglehold. If this movie's good, I'm about to burn this motherfucker down. Um, but for now, David, let's hop back in. It's February 26th. You know what month it is in three days? March, baby. And you know what March means? Month madness and you know what march madness entails oh my brackets ladies and gentlemen the direct bracket ladies and gentlemen welcome in welcome on and welcome back to the direct bracket i believe our first bracket of season two of the direct podcast david is that correct that's great fantastic fantastic we are here and in honor of the mandalorian season three we will be doing a bracket of the best Star Wars tech. The Mandalorians are a warrior religion that rely on technology for their spiritual beliefs. So we will be reviewing the coolest Star Wars tech throughout all of this illustrious franchise. And David, to do this, we brought in some friends. We brought in your friends. We brought in the the Star Wars experts I care about. Are they the best? I don't know. I'm not qualified to answer that question. They're my favorite, though. That's right. Every single one of them. And I cannot wait to talk to him. First and foremost, we're going to get this motherfucker out of the way because he's on all of our Star Wars content. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, our Star Wars insider, Jack Hughes. Jack, how are you? And what are you most excited for in Mandalorian Season 3? I'm doing well. Pollen's kind of killing me because springtime is here, but doing well. Glad to be back talking to you boys and some <laughs> other handsome gentlemen. Where? Um, favorite <laughs> or most excited thing for Mando Season 3? Uh, Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan and that hair, that illustrious straight oh, red hair. Looks so think. much better. This How season. old is she, by the way? Do we have a count? So old. Confusing to me. Wow. No idea. So confusing and messy. Anyway, she's ageless. Okay. No, 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 no. I don't accept that answer. Okay. As a recent adopter of Clone Wars, these she's like sixty, <laughs> right? Nah, she's like forty-seven. I want to say yeah, that was very forty-five specific. to fifty. 47 just ish like, yeah you know ballparking yeah. it you know what i'm saying like thomas is like 30 ish you know that voice you hear is uh one of my favorite cowboys fans uh and a man that mm. always just put a smile on my face with the energy he brings to everything our thor correspondent mm. another reckless rebel thomas carter rochester thomas how are you what are you most excited for amanda three Hello there. I am yeah. doing well. Uh, it is Florida springtime. Uh, round three for spring. We'll get one more cold spell here in March, and then it'll be 90 degrees until fracking Ugh. November. So kill me it's a now. hard 92. Ah, it's rough. It's super rough. It's like Mustafar over here. Uh, I'm most excited to find out who Grogu's mom is. Is it Natalie Portman or is it Yaddle? I mean, mm-hmm. unconfirmed. Mm-hmm. It's got to yeah, be either that, or. That's, that's the question. I mean, it, it, it seems the like discussions we've really had on this topic. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, there's always to two. In, didn't we have a list of options for who Ray's parents were <laughs> at some point, yes. right? And then throw those out the window. <laughs> yeah, throw those right out the window. So that's a good time. And also joining us to, to round out the Reckless crew, um, our Canadian insider and a man who watches Raptors games at 8 a.m., uh, our, our friend from the north. Klein felt Klein. It snowed about four or five inches three days ago here in Denver. Is it springtime up there in Canada? No, as well? we got we got snow last night. It's <laughs> I don't know what these, what these what guys these talking about. down there and below them. Like I don't know the equator basically. We're yeah, not below it. Springtime. Yeah, you might as well be, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Klein, how are you, and what are you most excited for in Mando three? I'm doing well. Um, life is good. Most excited. I mean, it wouldn't be a Star Wars podcast with me on it without saying, ah, Cal Kestis cameos, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> oh, my God. No. I, that was going to be my no, answer. In all seriousness, you want to know what I'm most excited for? I don't know what it is, but it is that season finale post credit stinger. What are <sighs> they showing us? Mm. What is it going to be? Because I can't wait. I can't wait. It's something right? new. No, 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 I bet it's something new. Is it show me, show me where are we going with this culmination business, John Favreau? Like, I want it all. We finally get the Watto uh, series. Hey, that we've yeah, all, all been we hear is it, the lights come hey, up. It's dark. Yeah, and you don't even see hey, it. It's just, I need. I need. It. <laughs> Those Jedi tricks don't work on me. Yeah. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Rocky uh, lately, and I think Watto is the Star Wars character that would best fit into the, <laughs> the Rocky franchise. <laughs> Who do you do? Sylvester could have been. Yeah, I gotta get up. Holly could voice Watto, and I would believe it. What if? So Klein, what if, right, all of a sudden they're in like, I don't know, so there's some building, we're in like a skyscraper situation, I don't know what planet we're on, and all of a sudden you just hear, and you just see purple. What do we do? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Got me. Got me immediately. (laughs) If we want to talk about Katie Sackhoff's age, okay, we like if Mace Windu's showing up in the Mandalorian, he's going to be like 95 years old. That's fine. Look at Samuel Jackson. David, that's the best word picture you've had on this show. There we go. That's your best work. That was amazing. I loved every second. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're here with the direct bracket. Today we'll be breaking down the best pieces of Star Wars tech. Now, the best implies like functionality. They're the best. This is the coolest. We're going to do the coolest Star Wars tech. And I think if you're a Star Wars fan, you can kind of see where this is going. I've I've manufactured this bracket in such a way to not let the front runners run away with it without any sort of competition. I still think they will. I think this is going to be a giant waste of time at the end. But I have put in happy to be here. (laughs) Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming, guys. By the way, thanks for thanks for taking your time and not driving all the way home uh, just to record a podcast. But um, I think that I think that I've put some seedings in place to make this a little more interesting, and I'm very excited to do so. So, guys, thank you so much for doing this. And what do you say? Let's just get let's just get started, and we're going to start with our eight nine matchup. The eight nine matchup at the number nine seed, the speeder bike from Star Wars: Return of the Jedi, and it is going up against the eight seed Pod Racer from mm. Phantom Menace. Oh. Two two similar pieces of tech get from A Mm. to B quickly and coolly. Um, One from the old generation, one from the new. And I want to start with Thomas Carter Rochester, um, our our guest here, our reckless leader. The pod racer versus speeder bike. Where are you at? I 
love both of these. Uh, I thought about putting both on my list originally, but I was like, you know, no, there's a Kleinfeld out there who's going to have both of these on there for sure. Wow. Uh, and I love the speeder bike. Like, who doesn't want to use a speeder bike? But for me, not many humans can use a pod racer the way that, you know, that others can. So I, I'm leaning pod racer here because, I mean, just give me the damn movie already. Give me Russian pod racing. I just, I saying. need a rivalry. I need someone to <laughs> yeah. burn half their face off. And then, you know, they turn out to be best friends at the end. Hey, well, you know, I have to try to do some pod racing. Really uh, felt uh, you seemed uh, confused by this matchup when I announced it. Pod racer speed bike, where are you? This is just, I- I'm not confused. I'm just conflicted. Like, these are my two oh. children, and you're making me pick one mm. or the other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think, like, it's, it's pod racer. Like, mm-hmm. I think that it's the coolest thing. I mean, we have a whole, sh- like, a whole shtick in the show like now this is podcasting this is pod racing like <laughs> come on like it's a pod racer there's nothing cooler especially in this generation like looking at all of you we're all of similar ages yes jack is like seven and a half and thomas mm-hmm. is 300 but we all kind of grew up around and yeah me me and david are close i guess and yeah there was nothing cooler than the pod racer Maybe the only thing cooler was the pod racing video game for Nintendo 64. That you could hold the two Nintendo 64 controllers mm-hmm. just like you or Anakin and scream, mm-hmm. it's working, it's working. <laughs> <laughs> pod racer, baby. Hell yeah, man. I love that. And uh, because I'm a bad host uh, for, for that show you mentioned, what show is that exactly? Uh, Reckless Rebellion found a podcast services around the globe, universe, and multiverse, I guess. I love that for you. Ooh. And that is the chaotic uh, rendition of all of our Star Wars news. And I love that podcast so much. Speaking of people I love, Jack Pugh's Pod Racer Speeder Bike OG Trilogy versus Prequel Trilogy here. It's very exciting stuff. Yeah. I, I am conflicted because I have vivid memories of going uh, before Galaxy's Edge, the little Star Wars area at Hollywood Studios mm. and Disney yeah. World. And they had the little like, life-size speeder bike yes. that you can sit on and take pictures with and man i have so many pictures of that thing like it's it's so cool and look the speeder bike is like the origin for pod racers and you listen to the sound design for that i i mean yeah. i think that's where it all came from but i have to agree with klein and thomas i, I mean pod racing we're talking about the coolest tech here pod racing is so freaking cool Rewatched mando season two um I guess it was the first episode with Cobb Vanth and he's got his little speeder bike, but he's got a part of the pod racer on it mm-hmm. attached to it. It's it's just awesome. Sound design, the way it looks, everything. Got to go with that. And of course, little Annie, who doesn't love that kid. Are you, are so, you many an and <laughs> so many people. So many people. I was waiting it. for that comment. Um, yeah. Uh, Cobb Vanth's speeder bike is the ultimate my guns bigger than your good shtick. Yep. You know what I mean? And I love every second of it. Uh, David, Pod Racer is going to move on here, but where would you have voted? So the speeder bike is great. Look, the scout troop. I think I think the scout troopers help with that entire scene and how we view Absolutely. the speeder bikes. That whole just sequence with Leia and Luke in the forest. Like, it's just a great scene. A better scene is the pod racing scene in Phantom Menace. And I was going to make the point that Jack kind of did. It's the sound desi- sound design upgrade from the speed racer <laughs> or the, the uh, speeder yeah, bike. That's the, that's the coolest one. To the pod racer, like you just did. It's so <laughs> good. 
but all of them sound great like the shrieking and like them clashing and just everything about it pod racing you want to talk about like a generational style thing like pod racing defined a small chunk of my, my my childhood i should say right between the video games and just my love for watching that scene over and over and not understanding the rest of the movie was kind of garbage but enjoying that scene and yeah so pod racing definitely or the pod racer i should say moves on for me and moves on in this round absolutely i'm gonna throw just a sympathy vote out there for the speed racer clyde a uh, quick question to probably thomas because he would know we're saying Speed Racers original trilogy or uh, Speeder Bikes original trilogy. We do get episode two Speeder Bike, isn't that? Doesn't Anakin yeah, ride that's a when Duel bike the Fates kill plays. the women in the oh. show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so good. It's the exact same design too, if I'm not mistaken. What a that's like the only in thing in that movie that is uh, looks like the original trilogy is uh, newer, right? Because everything mm-hmm. in the prequel trilogy looks yeah. newer than the original trilogy stuff. But um, I want to throw a sympathy vote out there for the speeder bike, because if we were doing this podcast in the 90s, we would be sitting here saying there's nothing that can get cooler than the speeder bike. And that's just a fact. And when the pod racer came out, we would be we'd be sitting here saying, I cannot believe they did something cooler than the speeder bike. It is the OG. And Mm -hmm. as far as things you'd rather have in your personal life, I think we'd all rather have a speeder than a pod racer for the mobility of it. Right. It's just so goddamn cool for 1983 and i love that but i am not mad at all that the pod racer is moving on give me the movie moving on two two quick playing games for our next matchup because they are like-minded things the first one the atat versus the atst where do you stand this is the side of history we need to fall on thomas confusion yeah madness. what what are these ATAT oh and ATST? At, at, at street, baby. At at and at street. At what street? Gang <laughs> exactly. Street? Yeah. 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 Roll up with the floor up. Ready to pop one in the more up. Um, <laughs> at, at, yeah. Uh, at at the at street. This is a it's a very, very contentious one. David, I want to start with you. You got to fall on the right side of history here. <laughs> the ATAT versus the ATST. Oh, I'm going with the at at all day. AT-AT is one of the best pieces of technology. It's one of the coolest land vehicles. Just imagine the pure military prowess the Empire had to have to go to Hoth and <laughs> land these giant walking, animal-looking <laughs> dinosaur technobots on the ground. And it almost got them a win, but it didn't. Just just barely did it not. But yes, I'm going with the AT-AT. Oh. Love the AT-AT. All right, so the AT-AT gets a one vote in our quick playing game. Klein, where are you in these four-legged versus two-legged uh, you know, battle here? I will say shout out to the ATST, the little chicken walkers. They have cool moments. <laughs> I like when the Ewoks smash one of the heads and probably brutally just murder. There's no body even left of the Stormtroopers inside. Like, it is just soup. No. Um, I like... If you remember Star Wars Force Unleashed, PlayStation 3 game, you could like crumple them up and that was really cool. But I'm going AT-AT. I think that it is just so cool. I love the idea of the Empire being so gaudy and so just like high and mighty. They're like, we don't need wheels. We don't need treads, like things that could move us efficiently. No, 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 no. We're going to use legs and we're going to move around like woolly mammoths and we're just going to destroy these tiny puny humans, even though they end up losing. But uh, I think that yeah, ATAT is just it's a it's 
probably the most iconic ship design, maybe other than Millennium Falcon, that is like in Star Wars. Yeah, I like it. Can you imagine a Skarsgård monologue being like, they're so fat and happy, make it four-legged vehicles. <laughs> like, they, don't think, they don't think anybody can stop them. They I forgot about I tripping. ghosts. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's good stuff. Jack-Jack, uh, AT-AT versus ATST. Where are we land in here? There is no love for the ATST so far. Until now, Matt, because I'm going ATST. Uh, I just think this one wow. looks cooler. I'm not going to lie. Like, no. I think it... I, I I the moment in Empire is better. Like, duh, it's one of the best movies of all time, and uh, all, everything that happens on Hoth is incredible. Um, but yeah, I think the ATST just looks cooler, plain and simple, and it's a little bit more terrifying to me. Look, it killed Ewoks. Like that broke me as a kid. I was just shattered every time he like pushes the guy. He's like, now you like wake up, and he just starts crying. Damn, dude. And then they made it even more terrifying in Mando season one with, I don't even know who was operating. I can't remember, but like Bryce Dallas Howard, that's who. Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) She perfect. She directed that beautifully. And yeah, scary too. I I think it had like red eyes in that for whatever reason. But um, yeah, ATSC showing some love. So I'm going to break the rules here. I'm going to vote now and I'm going to vote for ATST because I agree. And I'm going to put it on Thomas Carter Rochester to break the tie. The moment in Mandalorian (laughs) where Bryce Dallas Howard does a Jurassic Park nod meta and makes one ATST so terrifying to a village of nothing. You know, I mean, this is a village of people with huts and wooden tools and an ATST to that village is the scariest thing you can imagine. That would change the war if that was the difference. And then when you put it in place of the Empire, um, of Empire Strikes Back, I mean, where there's just a bunch of little ones protecting the big ones, I just think it puts the scale of Star Wars in such a cool spot. And the four-legged ones, they don't make sense to me. Why would you need that? Why would you need four legs? Whereas That's the two-legged they ones, need I can't... To make sense. Well, the two-legged one I can make sense of, though, because, like, terrain, you got to step over some shit. Why would you ever need four legs? Because I watch you're my the dog. Empire. It's <laughs> giant. It's yeah. huge. I watch my dog walk downstairs, and all four of his legs <laughs> coordinate together, and I am amazed every <laughs> single time. I'm like, how are you doing that? How do you know when to? And yeah, so I'm gonna go with the ATST because the, I think the practicality of it is much cooler. So Thomas Carter Rochester, oh. I'm putting you on the spot for a tiebreaker here. You've chosen the most insane person to yeah. choose between the street. <laughs> I so when I watched Empire Strikes Back at seven years old and the the big giant walking camel thingy, as Peter Parker says, calls it, it shows camel up. Thingy? Yeah, I'm like, what is this? Why is this here? That's unstoppable. Oh, look, they got taken out by a cable. Oh, look, lightsaber. Oh, look, inside of it is a baby at at shout out family guy Star Wars. And then the Ad Street shows up in Return of the Jedi, and I'm like, first off, gross. It's like an ostrich chicken thingy, as as Klein said. I like that cop, a little chicken. Very, very chicken. chicken. <laughs> but then Mando Season 3 really makes, well, not just that, but Clone Wars. They have their own mm-hmm. version of the At Street. And what yeah, I totally, like is totally. the, the upgrade mm-hmm. is now you're protected on the inside, except for giant trees, of course. Uh, and... I'm a big fan. You know, you were saying, why does it need to be so big? You put an at-at on Ewok or on Indoor? They're there. You are raising. They're they're effective. Yeah, they don't really do much, though. 
They, they, they are, are there. but there's like the one distance. shot where you can see a couple of them walking. It's like that. Dude, zoom ad ads are taking down ships at the beginning of that hawk battle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're big. They're there. And what I love the most, my favorite version is the open sides. Like it's a yeah. cracking black so hawk cool. in so Rogue cool. One where Badass. they're just walking there. Uh, but I'm going at street because I God personally, personally yes. love mobility. I enjoy. I enjoy being ah, able to do more, ooh. and also because you, don't you miss need being mobile, be... being as old as you are. Your yeah, hips, man, your joints a... are sore. You mm-hmm. just exactly. see mobility, and you're like, "Yes." Matt's yeah. looking at his dog, going, "I can't imagine doing that, so I don't like it." <laughs> By the way, on all fours, I ha- you'd be shocked I, what quick, my dog could do. But <laughs> a quick question for the room: just a little survey. Over under five hundred dollars. What an ad at lego set costs on lego.com over 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 that's a lot yeah. of money really that, cool. i remember looking at that set like how many it's got so many pieces like it, Kate, it has six thousand seven hundred eighty-five pieces are two at streets cheaper than one at at? Because you could, you know, just kind of. They don't even sell that bullshit, Matt. Come on. No. Okay. Why would they? It's okay. a lesser. It's a lesser piece of tech. That was a that was a play-in game. I just want to remind everybody <laughs> to decide our number thirteen seed, and you it'll be it. going up against our number four seed. Oh, what's up? It costs fifty dollars for an eight. Uh, <laughs> oh <three>. shit! <laughs> That's insane, dude. Wow. That difference is astronomical that's nuts um the at 17 17 what atsds would be one at at on lego.com anyway think about it guys would you rather have one at at or 17 (laughs) (laughs) who would win in a fight who would win in a fight um how much prep time do we get anyway um to decide our number four seed another playing game and this one's going to be more emotionally tearing for everybody i promise you that much and david we're going to start with you again the X-Wing against the TIE Fighter. Yeah, it's a battle of the Empire versus the Rebels. The X-Wing, iconic. The TIE Fighter, iconic. I think the X-Wing has a more iconic look. The TIE Fighter are more iconic sound with the mm-hmm. screech. You know what I mean? Which is very cool, very Star Wars, to have the sound be the most iconic thing about a thing. So, David, we're going to start with you. Another quick play-in game. The X-Wing versus the TIE Fighter. I feel like it would be pretty trendy of me to say the TIE Fighter, but it's definitely the X-Wing. Mm-hmm. X-Wing means so much to Star Wars. Like, TIE mm-hmm. Fighters are just that. They are the gnat of the Star Wars universe. They are the shrieking little empire bugs going around. I mean, okay, if it was the Kylo Ren version or the Vader version, like, those mm. are but the X-Wing especially what it means to Luke, like that is just fundamentally Star Wars. Like it takes on its own character, even all the way through the Rise of Skywalker. So I'm definitely going with the X-Wing. For true, for true. Uh, Jack, going to you next. X-Wing versus TIE Fighter here. X-Wing for one reason and one reason only. Mando season two finale. Dark Troopers are coming. Everybody's doomed. No, How are we getting out of this? We're screwed. Moff Gideon's going to win. And all of a sudden you see a, like the camera pans over and you hear this little thing come in. It's like, oh, one X-Wing. Great. And every single fan stands up, knows exactly what that means. David mentioned it, what it means to Luke. Luke Skywalker, give me the X-Wing. I love it. Thomas Carter, Rochester, X-Wing versus, X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. It's the X-Wing. You talk about sound design. My favorite blasters sound in Star Wars mm. is the X-Wing. 
Ooh, yeah, I don't know what it wow. is. It's just it's got a pierce Ooh. to it. Oh, mm. dude, it's so good. I'm yeah, here playing the sound you. effect board right now, listening to it. That's awesome. <laughs> That's something we should look into here for the direct podcast. Um, I I love it. Um, it's going to move on, Klein. But would you have gone X Wing or Tie Fighter? Keep in mind, yeah, we're about to battle it. I, I would have gone X Wing as well. It's just okay. it is it is iconic. It is brilliant. I've had it as my wallpaper for years. And it made me cry because Return of the Jedi and or Empire Strikes Back lifting the X-wing out of the swamp is like mm-hmm. is yeah. beautiful. Truly, really is oh my beautiful. God. Best moment in Star Wars. Um, I do just want to shout out the Tie Fighter and Andor buzzing those uh yeah. farm workers. Oh yeah, so unbelievably cool to like the, just the thematic like like how deep cut it is for like oh they just don't care about these people at all but to use that sound to do the buzzing like come on that's that's that top great. gun meets star wars and that's just cool that's cool shit uh patty, patty jenkins, jenkins. Yeah. Hey! Give it to <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> <laughs> Love um ladies and gentlemen that moves x-wing on to our four seed and it will be going up against the at street uh here in the bracket in our 413 uh we're gonna have to fight here jack i think but honestly i don't even want to uh and i'll start the voting with jack x-wing verse at street where are we at shit um (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't Uh, have to be hard it doesn't have to be it's a 413 I, I'll, I'll go X-Wing here for, for the same reason I said earlier. And then I honestly, this is so bad. I completely forgot about Empire and that Yoda moment. So X-Wing. Yeah. Fake stuff. fan. Yeah, what? Uh, fake I know. Fan. Fake fan like David in No Way Home. Uh, speaking of David, <laughs> uh, X-Wing versus Ad Street. Where you at? <laughs> Go to you. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh! I was I was too busy recovering from you calling me a fake fan of No Way Home. Um, I'm going with the X Wing, of course. Yeah, not even close. Not even kind of close. Klein, X Wing. Yeah, X Wing. AT, AT I would have maybe thought about it. That would have been yeah. X Wing. Like this is get out of here with this at street garbage. <laughs> oh this my is, god! This is IU versus Buffalo, eighty-seven sixty-two <laughs> yeah. in the first round. Like this is tough. <laughs> Thomas Carter Rochester, uh, you gonna stand up for the at street at all here? I will stand up and get taken down by uh, the X-Wing, honestly, because yeah. it's sympathy vote for Ad Street. I knew it wasn't making it, but it needs at least like a half point. I love that. I love that. And what's nice is we get to talk about the X-Wing further, and there's a big part of the X-Wing history that we haven't even touched yet. Can't wait to get to that. I also would have voted the X-Wing our first sweep of this bracket. Now, guys, here's where it gets interesting for me. Usually... To go up against the number one seed, we have our play-in game. But our play-in game I had a little bit more fun with. I ranked it a little higher because I think the collective whole of the play-in game is higher than the 16 seed. So I put our one seed against a very interesting entry into this bracket. An entry that I think could be ranked as high as a top five or as low as the 16 seed. The number one seed, of course, is the lightsaber. Duh. This is why I'm worried about this bracket being a waste of time, because how do you beat the lightsaber? Let me tell you how we might just do it. The number 16 seed is the Death Star. (laughs) And the reason I did the reason (laughs) I did that. (laughs) Yes. The reason I did that is twofold. One, I wanted to get the lightsaber some pretty good competition. But does it ruin the integrity of the bracket, putting such an iconic thing at the 16th seat? Well, no, nothing. Go ahead. I was going to say the integrity is that. That is no moon. What is the Death Star? What did we say wasn't allowed on the bracket? What do you mean? Ships. 
Well, no, 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 no. I I said you guys couldn't submit ships oh, because I, I have plans for ships. Oh, you know what okay. I mean? Ship, so ships I already is... had baked into the bracket. Okay. There's a ship on the bracket. We just we just debated about an X-Wing and a TIE Fighter, We David, did do that. So I'm glad you're listening. Yeah, David's catching up. He's still stuck on the no way home. <laughs> David had been doing work for like two man. and a half I'm hours. We've, we've been talking to each other Flew for a very long here. time. Flu game. And yeah, yeah. I mean, and, uh, you know, Mahomes... Um, in the Super Bowl, Jordan in the playoffs, David in this bracket. That's that's the ranking. Um, so I'm a the reason Death Star now for sure. Yeah, yeah. The reason I put uh, Death Star at sixteen was to compete with the lightsaber because they're both probably as iconic as the other. But also, nothing has been ran into the ground in movie history more than the Death Star. So mm. I think it's okay to put it at sixteen without breaking the integrity. There's an argument against the Death Star, right? So. With that in mind, I'm going to go to Thomas Carter Rochester first. Thank you. Lightsaber v. Death Star. Um, Thank you. Do we have a chance here? Oh, we have a chance. I have on my wall, more than anything, are lightsabers. I got a Star Wars poster with lightsabers. I got Darth Vader with lightsabers in his eyes. I've got, I mean, I don't have one made because I don't want one, but I've got Anakin with his lightsaber out like he's about to slay some younglings, but instead he's going for Obi-Wan Kenobi because, you know, he's going to fail either way. But the Death Star is powered by what? 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 Who? What is that? Oh, Kyber crystals. It's essentially a giant Giant fucking lightsaber. (laughs) It's not a ship. It's not it's a, a lightsaber. It's not a moon. It's a big old lightsaber oh, ball. Move over is a hot dog a sandwich. Is a dar- is a Death Star a lightsaber? <laughs> Death Star a lightsaber. <laughs> yeah. I am I am going to vote Death Star wow. because yes, wow. it, it did get taken out by an X-Wing. Yes. <laughs> However, you know, the there are so many lightsabers out there in the world. If you're gonna pick lightsaber, are we gonna pick a specific lightsaber? No, we're going to pick the death star here because there are multiple the amount of money the collaboration <laughs> the effort that takes to destroy and build a death star is far greater than that of a lightsaber and it blows up fucking planets yeah sure does blew up, blew up one or two yeah yeah it blew up a couple and then the next one blew up a couple and then the third one blew up a few um you know oh, you we didn't s- even we didn't even talk about Star Killer Base. Hold on, that's a, sure, I almost added planet. it. To my, that doesn't. That doesn't. Count. I know. That's <laughs> a, a planet-sized Death Star. What? <laughs> it, it is Ilum. It is a Kyber crystal planet. So he. Yeah. Uh, I. You see, you said the Death Star was taken out by an X-wing. I say it was taken out by systematic ignorance because I am a fan of Andor and an enthusiast of Star Wars lore. Uh, Klein, lightsaber versus Death Star as I failed to tell a joke. I'm just, I'm just, I'm dying over here. I love this hot dog sandwich situation. Is a Death Star lightsaber? I don't know. That's a really weird looking hilt. Um, Oh my God. It's like a Three Musketeers hilt. Yeah, you, you put this out and you were like, Death Star, lightsaber, I'm sitting here thinking, there's no way that anyone could ever convince me Death Star Thomas I think like oh shit <laughs> I can't do it. I can't in good faith take out like this is like this is like Duke with Zion and RJ they're showing up and like I can't in good faith like vote against them so like I am going to say Death Star but I commend you for that Thomas I really do I think that you you put up a good fight like that you're, was, you're gonna say lightsaber good. I'm gonna say lightsaber yeah okay yeah now remember that Duke team got knocked into the Elite Eight. 
They made it through the first round. Okay. hundred percent. hundred percent. They won by 40, I believe, in the first round, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, David, uh, lightsaber Death Star, we are weirdly 1-1 here as we get to you. Yeah, I'm going lightsaber. Um, <laughs> or are they one of the same? <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought? No. Lightsaber yeah, is, is millions genuinely silence. like the coolest thing. Like, if you just think about it fundamentally... And I think uh, I think Thomas said, like, we're not picking for one lightsaber. And like, that is more of the point. <laughs> it can be mm-hmm. any lightsaber. It is just all lightsabers. I this I mean, lightsabers are fundamental. Like, that's what gets people excited. That's why they have lightsabers in the Mando season three trailer. Like, people just get excited when you see a lightsaber, oh. even when you throw in, like, all these other different variations and all the different hilts and Darth Maul and Kylo. It's just, it's so good and just so fundamentally Star Wars. So yeah, definitely going with the lightsaber here. It's just, it's one of the most iconic gadgets. Things. Yeah. Like simple as that or, or weapons, I suppose. Uh-huh. To be. Like it is the most famous sci-fi weapon, I would say of, of all time. time. Easily, easily. Right, right in front of the uh, splinter gun from Halo 2. Um, yeah, one? no. What I say? The splinter? splinter gun, the needler. That was directionally correct. I feel okay. like you know that was all, all the way, all the Close. way to be correct. Uh, lightsaber Death Star Jack, we are here with uh, a two-one vote. Are you gonna send lightsaber through? Do it. Do it. Look, I appreciate Thomas trying to make Death Star the <laughs> UNDC versus uh, Virginia twenty-point win in the first round. But I'm I never gonna forget I that go Thomas. Lightsaber. <laughs> I will, get, I will say the thing I've been thinking of ever since Thomas starts speaking about the Death Star is <laughs> Family Guy Star Wars. I, I just want a railing. I just want a railing right here. Oh, yeah. What'd they say? Oh, it wasn't in the budget. I yeah. <laughs> I, I love that yes. so much. But yeah, look, lightsabers, dark saber. You and a little mm. shout out to Rebels. Uh, Ezra Bridger's lightsaber, he has like a little gun attached to it too. So he Pretty can sick. turn it off and start shooting stuff. It's it's so cool. And then Kylo's, yeah, I can't add anything else that David mentioned. It's it's just the right. coolest thing. It is Star Wars. Yes. And but I will say, uh, Disney Plus has retroactively continued to make the Death Star cooler. Obviously, the Andor moment is sick, and that's something that we all like got excited for. Uh Cara Dune, uh, is that her name? Right? That is, that was her, her being yeah. from Alderaan. I just watched that episode the other day. You know, did you lose anybody? I lost everybody. Like, like that is good shit, right? Um, man, that sucks. It sucks that that character. The just, artist yeah. formerly known as Kara Dune. <laughs> yeah, We're yeah, gonna yeah. find out how she died in a mining accident. Yeah, we can't wait. One. That's <laughs> Bando season episode one. It's gonna be like, hey, sorry yeah. guys, she's dead. Yeah. It's like did it's you... like when they're doing last the, uh... time on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. It's like last time on, and then like it cuts like some like text. <laughs> no, give us a little clone. Give us a little Clone Wars like preview of like a little like, David Baker. Yeah. Cara Dune the... died on the tragedy. What will our warriors do next? <laughs> I do want to. I do want to shout out the design for Death Star Number Two in Return of the Jedi. It's so cool looking. Like the yeah. fact that it's not mm. completed, but still half, completed. the half thing. Love it. Yeah. I feel like I feel like if you get a, a Lego Death Star, like you have to stop halfway through for a little while. You know what I mean? Just for like a little bit yes. as it's Return of the That'd Jedi. Form. I wonder how much that costs. Yeah, oh, it is. It is over so many A streets, so many ad streets. 
Oh, it's retired. It's not even. It doesn't even exist. Let's <laughs> spend on this thing, man. I want to know. It's it's more of an. Oh, it's badass though. It's so cool. Anyway. Yeah, we've it. seen it. We gotta homecoming. move on. I know. We yeah, we do see it in homecoming. He drops and no way it. home. It's good shit. Because I'm not a fake fan. Yes. It's good stuff. So, yeah, right. Um, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> hour five twelve. This is where the play-in game comes, guys. So. I, I want to say we have to go through this quickly, but it requires a little bit more of that. Guys, this is our Mandalorian playing game. This is where all of our Mandalorian gadgets come to decide who the 12 seed is. Good. And it's tough. And it's tough because that means only one Mandalorian weapon really gets on the bracket. But there's a lot of really cool Star Wars tech shit. And I felt like this was the best way to do it. So our Mandalorian playing game, I'm going to give you six options. And everybody picks their favorite oh of these God. six. Six options. Pick your favorite. There is the cord grappling hook thing. Is there a name for that? Cord grappling, grappling hook thing. Love it. Uh, the Mandalorian flamethrower. The knee rocket, of course. Oh, yeah, knee rocket. The backpack rocket. Jetpack. Oh, okay. The, the jetpack. <laughs> and the whistling birds from Mandalorian season two. What about the from Mandalorian season one? Poison darts. Excuse me. Thomas, he's he separated jetpack and the missile launcher. The oh, was that the correct thing to do, or do we combine that? Oh no, so they like, are different. The, the they are technically different thing. Not yeah. everybody yeah. has the rocket, right? Yeah. Right. Yep. You you were correct. Yeah. The Boba Fett one. So yeah. So of those six, I can repeat them if you'd like. But Thomas, I want to start with you first. What is your favorite Mandalorian weapon? That's more. That's more so the question. <laughs> yeah, deep, deep cut, real deep cut. I didn't put it on here because I don't know if it's technically a uh, technique, Tech. uh, technology. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. uh, the shotgun rounds that they used to kill Jedi back in the Jedi Mandalorian War, that's because fun. you you can't stop. <laughs> what Everybody's nerd. shocked. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like, that's oh, yeah. legit. how do you beat a Jedi? You shoot him with shotgun shells. Just like a buck out in the old woods there. No, I'm saying. This feels like Fast and Furious. <laughs> armor piercing uh, rounds. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm struggling here because I do love jetpacks. I do uh -huh. love whistling birds. I oh. did I put flamethrower on my on my list because who yeah. doesn't love a fucking flamethrower? You know what I'm true, saying? True, 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 true. Uh, out true, of true. all of them, I I, I want to fly. I like taking down multiple. It's between whistling birds and jetpack. Whistling birds and jetpack. Jetpack wins. I want to fly. Damn it. That's one vote for jetpack. We go to Klein now. Your favorite man or weapon. I can jet repeat pack. them if you'd like. Jetpack. Jetpack. Yep. I was going to. Uh, I like the idea of the missile on the back of the jetpack. It mm -hmm. looks really cool. But in practice, it is so silly. Like mm -hmm. we see Django use it. And he's got to like bend over. Yeah. Like, like like pivot at the hips. And it's like. Shoo! It's. I, I like the jetpack. I think Cobb Vanth is the best jetpack rocket user so far mm -hmm. when he takes down that mm -hmm. uh i don't want to say a syndicate ship because it just looks like a bunch of thugs but like you know he takes yeah. his time he does the western strut very cool uh so that's two votes for jetpack guys so one more vote will send it through jack where are you with your favorite made weapon i could go jetpack but jetpack isn't singular to star wars like that's we see jetpacks and a bunch of other stuff i'm gonna go whistling birds that That's moment, fair. and I think it That's was fair. Mando season one, episode three. We heard about the whistling birds when the armorer made them, but when he actually uses it and just and just takes everybody out, what a great moment! Yeah, so yeah. whistling birds, kind of surprising here for for me, but not, I, I just dig them too much. I love that pick, David. 
I'm Where caught between the two as well. Whistling you can pick anything pack. else. As I know. Well. Oh, you're oh. caught between the two. My bad, my bad, my bad. You know, I same conundrum as Thomas, but I'm also going to land where he did with Jetpack. I do. I see Jack's point, but I still believe Jetpack is better piece of tech. It's cooler. I think I think I know it's not fundamentally Star Wars, but it is badass when he uses it. And it's going to be even more in season three when it seems he's going to use it even more. And I'm very excited to see that where I feel like I've already seen how cool the whistling birds are. I feel like I could see even more, you know, sweet action sequences with the Jetpack. That's a good point. Three. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's I'll say whistling birds is the better version of the jetpack rocket. Sure. Um, but shout out to jetpack on the clones in the uh, Mandalore arc. Like that was, <laughs> that was, that was, I got, I popped in my pants. If you know, you what mean, saying. you mean kind of like in season nine, uh, season seven, episode nine, when they're all hiding under the ship and then they come yeah. out and yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. I know exactly. What Matt you're is so about. proud of himself and I'm just as proud of him. Oh yeah. He <laughs> so that's the only David Thompson, the finishing rebels. Oh my God. Like I can't wait. The for world may stop. To, it cease to exist. Direct podcast rebels mm. rewatch. That's what we said. You can review that is what we said. Each season, you just review one season at a time. Like that's it. Just one season. Let's go. Uh, I've been texting Jack so much lately. It's stupid. Like, <laughs> like it's insane. So ladies and gentlemen, stops for him. Do, do you hear David go? Eh. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me. I'm about to. I'm about to take another ten month break. I can feel it. I can feel it on my bones. Um. So ladies and gentlemen, our five twelve matchup will be the number twelve seed Jetpack against hyperdrive you want to talk about things that are so star wars uh hyperdrive against jetpack we're going to start with david on this one uh the 512 matchup coveted what do you got hyperdrive baby look this thing is fundamentally star wars from the very beginning badass every time um and yeah it's got it's got a cool rendition in like guardians of the galaxy i will say like kind of escaping from uh, what do you even call it in marvel (laughs) portal hopping yeah that that's pretty cool but no hyperdrive Mm -hmm. um especially how it keeps getting utilized and i will say one of the most interesting parts of the last jedi in a way for like a a split second i wish they would kind of move off of the whole like we're chasing you forever thing but how they can track them through hyperdrive is really really cool and especially it's kind of sick it's rewarding because you know about hyperdrive so much from the earlier movies that's like it, it is shocking in the moment so yeah i'm going hyperdrive really badass and fundamentally like something so star wars and obviously going back to the millennium falcon han solo it's just so good you kind of woke up and taken me just now like what do you do in iron man 3 when you take tony stark away from the suit what do you do in the last jedi when you take the rebels away from hyperdrive like that that i think that adds a little more interesting of a conflict in that very slow scene i think the tension builds a little bit if, if you pay attention to the hyperdrive line they can track us through hyperdrive we're yeah. fucked uh tcr <laughs> i know you're a huge fan of the hyperdrive tracking as well i think that is encompassed here in hyperdrive so oh. where yeah oh wait so it's the tracking no, it's whatever you here? want man this is free oh, swim this is jazz this is <laughs> 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 Finally, it's a reckless rebellion episode. Love it. Really just want to say, David, completely disagree that hyperdrive is fundamentally <laughs> Star Wars. Uh, there are warp drives from 1966 Star Trek jump drive. I uh, was there. Star Trek. Then we have yeah, jump drives. Well, like Silencio, Pepe Aquino. <laughs> uh, then we have jump drives 
from Battlestar Galactica, which came out earlier than Star Wars also. I believe 1975 is when that happened. So just want to say, you're wrong. Uh, you're wrong, so, Steve. But where's love, your vote going at the end of the I day, Thomas? I love that Thomas, Hyperdrive and Jetpack are both like very well seen outside of just Star Wars. But it's the Hyperdrive, baby. Like, let's be honest. Jetpacks are great. You can travel from it's like light, me you know, to somewhere else. But then Hyperdrive takes you from, you know, one side of the galaxy to the other. And there's a piece of tech that I don't know if is in this bracket. But my no. God, does it? It's, it's not. not. Damn it. You can pull ships out of Hyperdrive yeah, in hyperspace yeah. with a gravity well generator, ga- so gravity sick. well projector. And is the greatest piece of Star Wars. Tech. That's my number one Star Wars tech that you can rip an entire ship. And more importantly, an entire fleet of ships out of hyperspace to just bombard them. That is what we call an absolute death. Absolute kill. It's going to be great. Um, Love that. But it's what is the source of that piece of tech? The source? Like, where is it? Yeah, like, what is that from? Uh, It's from the High Republic. It's from Thrawn. And it is from another book set around, uh, set out. Oh, my God. What is it? Shadow of the Sith, I want to say, might be where it is also, where they introduce hyperdrive tracking as well. There's two different things that they play around with there. The hyperdrive, hyperspace tracking. And um, I believe somebody gets yanked out of hyperspace and gets ambushed. I think it was introduced in Rebels. I'm not going to lie. Was it? Because like I think the, the, the I reason think so. it's not on the bracket, as cool as it is, because it's a book thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, not right. not as Jack, popular. Jack, I think you're right because it's it is yeah, a Thrawn tech. <laughs> <laughs> I just All I right. lumped it in with hyperdrive. So sure, sure, and that is two for hyperdrive. Um, I don't remember who voted first, David and Thomas. Uh, Klein, are you going to send hyperdrive home or does Jetpack yeah, have a chance? No, I'm I'm putting it. I'm putting hyperdrive through. I will say just because to continue this little thread that's going around i will say hyperdrive and like warp speed or whatever thomas sure it wasn't originated in star wars but i do think that the i like i do think that it is still intrinsically star wars in the way that it is shown okay you you can show anybody the stars like streaking across the window and then the back of a ship and they know exactly what franchise that's from yeah Yeah. they know and if it's from somewhere else they know exactly what franchise that it's riffing on and I think mm-hmm. that that is like as iconic as the tech itself. One yeah. off of jumping off of that is it, at Disney World, the Millennium Falcon ride. What's it called, Jack? Um, God, Smuggler's Run. Smuggler's Run. You're in the Millennium Falcon. It's so Star cool Wars. seeing seeing the lights <laughs> go across, and then you're in a yeah. Just, oh my you're god, in a different location. Oh my god, I cried. So cool. I get I to do Jack that cried. for the first time in a couple months, and I cannot wait. <laughs> yes, Klein, let's go. I'm excited. Oh, you get to go to Disneyland where you get to see Marvel Avengers Campus too. Yeah. Oh, you get to see animatronic Spider Man swing. I do. Gold. Take him out of the air like I'm skeet shooting. <laughs> skeet shooting. <laughs> We're in America. We don't know what to get. Jack, uh, hyperdrive or jetpacks? Hyperdrive. I I have nothing else to ask (laughs) or ask. Add. I don't like hyperdrive all the way. This this is my number one um, on my own list, and it it's all just for the way it looks. The blue. Mm -hmm. Give me a break. It's so. It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, Thomas introduced me to the pulling somebody out of hyperdrive thing. I had to look it up because I didn't know what it was. 
it's the coolest thing Star Wars has ever done. <laughs> like, like I'm lumping that in with this because it is just so hype. And I will say, I just I just watched the original trilogy with my wife. She had never seen it before, ever. And it was her first Star Wars experience ever. And when they jumped to hyperdrive for the first time, it's the first time she spoke during watching the whole movie. She goes, that was cool. It's magic. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. That was cool. That was very cool. Hyperdrive is going to move on. And that sets our Western bracket. Moving over to the Eastern side of things. We do have to pick up the pace just a little bit, but let's do it with the number seven, 10 matchup at number 10, Carbonite Freezing. Ooh. Very iconic. You want to talk about most Star Wars things. Carbonite Freezing at number 10. And then at number seven, Holograms. Mm. Another ah. one that is a more of a sci-fi thing than a Star Wars thing. The holograms are a big Star Wars thing as well. We're going to start with Jack on this one. 7-10 matchup, holograms versus carbonite freezing. Carbonite freezing all the way. And specifically how like Mando does it. He's just got like a like it's like a portable one mm-hmm. in his ship. Mm-hmm. He's just got like a like it hangers basically, like a closet of all these frozen people. Um, and the the way the whole machine is used too in Empire with like the lighting and the fog and like the steam, every all of that. It's awesome. Oh, that set up. I know. It's a great set. It's a great set. David, we're going to go to you next. Holograms versus Carbonite Freezing. I'm going Carbonite because I feel like I have an iconic just image in my head of Han being frozen in Carbonite, but I don't have an iconic hologram. There's so many holograms. Really? What's, what's the most iconic, Klein? I'm curious what you think. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Okay. Fuck. Good one. Yes. The yeah. most that iconic line in all of Star Wars. The first yeah. one. I'm still going carbonite though. Yeah. Still going carbonite. Yeah. No, but, yeah. no, no, no. It's a, that I'm glad Klein said it because that's a great point. Is it not um, snow? But no. Oh, hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you're uh, that's a great point. We just <laughs> Pose <laughs> of the carbonite freezing Han is, you know, not as iconic as Help Me Obi Wan Kenobi, but it's up there for sure. Klein, uh, holograms versus carbonite freezing here. I gotta give a shout out quickly because I will not be going carbonite freezing, I'll be going holograms. Um, I gotta give a quick shout out to the Lego brick of Han frozen mm-hmm. in carbonite, the coolest Star Wars Lego brick. Just like Lego this talk block today. with his face. I know, a lot of Lego continue Star Wars. Um, but yeah, I'm going holograms. I think that for mm-hmm. me. I love A New Hope and because like that was my first Star Wars movie I saw and I was immediately hooked. And the the magic of seeing this person there and this recording, this princess who you don't know who it is and help me Obi-Wan Kenobi, your only hope is like, yeah. it is Star Wars magic. And then we get, I would say another, one of the most iconic Star Wars things ever, Execute Order 66. Much of that is done over hologram. And so mm. I am going hologram. That's I think true. That's cool. I think that the Star Wars holograms themselves look very cool they are iconic in having that kind of like blue coloring over top of them mm-hmm. and yeah. flickering kind of yeah yes a nod to that in avengers endgame of course during the avengers council uh scene in endgame Shang-Chi. definitely a star wars nod there which is very cool also in shang chi um that that is much more star wars where it's like two like three people actually there Two yeah. people in holograms, Jedi in Council places. sitting in a circle. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, exactly, yeah. exactly. That's some yeah. Clone Wars shit. And I love that. I love the. I love how Kevin Foggy's like, we're going to do our Star Wars thing with holograms. Very. I cool. like that the holograms uh, are usually sitting as well. Like they're not standing up. They brought their chair as <laughs> well. Beanbag. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thomas Carter Rochester. We have two for carbonite, one for holograms. Where are you going? Uh, 
klein man you made it really hard on me because i was like yeah it's it's carbonate freezing and then you're like yeah this that this that that this that and i'm like dude i don't know i'm gonna stick with my guns here uh i think the only reason i'm picking carbonate freezing is star wars a family guy uh family guy star wars specials and he's just mooning there in the carbonate Uh freezing that's very sorry everybody solo so, sorry, 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 everybody. It's been a long everybody. time, long time. In ah. It's a good fart joke. Um, <laughs> I don't love fart jokes. That's a good fart joke. Uh, Carbonite Freezing is going to move on. Um, I am sad not to see holograms move on. That's where I would have voted. Um, I haven't had to do a tiebreaker yet. Uh, so quick shout out with holograms. Emperor Palpatine is such an incredible character, and he's so well done in the original trilogy. Uh, and I think such a big part of that is the Jaws thing, where you don't really see him until the third movie. Like, the mm. first time we see him in person is the third movie, and it's so impactful. And I think a way that they pull that off is the hologram of him in the second movie. Like, getting a taste of him through a hologram was so intimidating, and it made when he gets off that ship for the first time, like, that much cooler. It's also the first time we see Red Stormtroopers, which is also pretty sick. Uh, So I will say, uh, quick shout-out to Hologram, but Carbonite Freezing is going to move on, and we move into our 611 seed. This one is awesome, and I'm very excited to talk about it. Uh, The number 11 seed, Clone Wars spoilers for any of you nerds who haven't watched Clone Wars. Um, this is like the most Clone Wars thing on our list. And I put it on here because I was that hype about it when I saw it just two days ago. The clone inhibitor chip. Oh, what a yes! fucking moment, dude. What an absolute oh, moment. Shit. And I loved every second of it. I, I'm new to it. I just saw it. I'm hype as hell. But it is going against another iconic Star Wars thing, cybernetic limbs of all kinds. Oh, let's of go. All oh, That's oh, a matchup. I know, I know. But uh, yeah, let's start with the 611 matchup. Uh, Klein, we're going to go to you first real quick for those Jeez. who don't know, because not everybody has seen Clone Wars. The clone inhibitor chip is something that was put into every single clone trooper at birth. So the Emperor was able to execute Order 66 through the inhibitor chip, so they didn't have a choice. Why would the clones turn on them so easily? Because they didn't have a choice. Wow, what a moment. Against Cybernetic Limbs, arguably the greatest plot device in all of Star Wars. Klein, we're going to start with you first in our 611. Damn. Uh, this, is this is a good one. <laughs> this is a good one. Shit. Oh my god. I think I am just gotta go with my gut. Uh, first thing that popped into my head, um, I'm going to go clone inhibitor ship. Let's go! Let's uh, go! <laughs> I think cybernetic limbs are iconically Star Wars. I jump to um, Luke at the end of Empire Strikes Back, getting his fingers poked and his hand kind of doing the weird, like, the so weird good. thing. Um, I can see, like... No, I'm changing my answer. Cybernetic limbs. Oh cybernetic limbs. Fucking gosh. I can see. I love it. Here's what. Here's the image that popped in my head, and this is going to be the first, like I think, sequel trilogy touchstone that we've talked about today. I can okay. see the Force Awakens trailer with Luke's hand yeah. on R two, mm, and yeah. like getting goosebumps. Fundamental. Cybernetic limbs. <laughs> Jack, we're going to you next because you look like you got something to say. Can I bring us down on cybernetic limbs a little bit? Do sure. It. 
Great, oh, hold on. Great I, <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. Why do you do that to me? That's I why I put it on my what list. What did you say? What did you say? Scooter people. Book of Boba oh, Fett. Yeah. Oh, damn it, Jack. They got different uh, colors. It's great. Sucks they, so they got their bad. enhancements and oh no. That part Jack. is cool. That part is cool. It's the scooters cool. is what sucks, guys. Uh, <laughs> it, I don't know. <laughs> not on Tatooine. Yep. God. Um. But I will say one thing that I always think of with the limbs, though, is when Anakin wakes up from his nightmare and he puts like his robotic hand on his yeah. head. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, oh, gosh. Um, but I'm going to go clone inhibitor chip because of all the emotional scenes that come with it. Yeah, like Incredible. every single scene about it is just like packed with emotion and pain and trauma. Matt, when Matt texted me about Order 66 and Clone Wars, I just I texted back. I was like, trauma, like trauma. just like immediately <laughs> what I think of. So. The chips are moving on for me. I love that. I love that. This is a tough battle, guys. Tough battle. TCR, yeah. you know, put it up for inhibitor chips, man. Where are you going? I I have both of these on my list. I've always wanted robot limbs, uh, especially, you know, I personally, I want a full robot arm like I'm Winter Soldier so that my shoulders don't hurt as much. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if that'll ever happen, even with the robot limb, but... Um, CBD I, pouches I, like chaw. That's what I've... That's what I've Ooh. adapted for that i am going to write that down because cool. the, because these right here these these smokes <laughs> are not working for me these cbd smokes yeah uh, does not take the pain away uh -huh. however uh i i put limbs on here because i've always wanted them and i really wanted to shout out the scooter people thank you jack for doing that for me you he know does. i love he the knows scooter he knows squad. how he knows I how we feel about that show squad. Uh, so but bad. it is absolutely the clone inhibitor chip. This was very high on my list um, because there is nothing more terrifying than having an entire army set full of people that at a moment's notice, at the literal flip of a switch, hmm. that they become the good soldiers follow orders, good soldiers follow hmm. orders. Good soldiers follow orders. And the fact that that becomes the downfall of the clones, spoiler alert for you, Matt and David, because you don't watch the Bad Batch and other people who also probably aren't watching the Bad Batch out there. It becomes the very downfall <laughs> of the clones because they follow orders and the emperor is like, ha ha, loophole. Now we can get rid of them. Uh, because I mean they're not going to survive very long anyway. They're like matured fast, so it's very, very. It, it's a plus <laughs> and a minus for the clones. Like it's crazy. Clone inhibitor chip. I'm assuming David's going to go clone inhibitor chip as well. You assume wrong. No. Uh, <laughs> I'm going cybernetic limbs. No. <laughs> wow. Shout out! Shout out the Rex Ahsoka scene. I've seen it. It's great. Mm -hmm. Um. And the everything only, that has, the only crazy. Clone Wars you've ever seen. Not true, but it's prevalent in my mind. Um, cybernetic limbs are so Star Wars between Luke, Anakin. I I love just as simple as that. It's cheesy, it's stupid, but the fact that it is like this familial, like this it's symmetry. This, yeah, exactly. It's so cool. And the Luke one, I think, has done much better because it's wow. God, it's so good. And by the way, we haven't pointed out talking about symmetry and how it all leads together is the moment in return of the jedi when he hacks off vader's arm Ooh. and sees that it's the wires it cyber wires cybernetic he's a robot and looks at his hand i got chills that that is movie making that is star wars and that is why 
this is going through, or at least I'm voting it through because ah, it's just so good. And they and they use it just as the inhibitor chip. I agree in such a great story way, right? It's not just like cool, like some of these other things. Oh, they're they're neat. This is actually done in a really well, a really well done way that influences the story. And I mean, climaxes the entire trilogy in some ways. So yeah, Cybernetic Limbs gets my vote. So that brings me to a tiebreaker, yeah? That's right. You just said so, you got one. I'm nervous. Give us the upset. I'm Give really, us the upset. I'm really nervous here because, like I said, I'm very new to the whole clone inhibitor chip realization. I didn't know that was a thing until last week, and I love it. It's amazing. It's 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 one of those things, and I told Jack this after Clone Wars. Clone Wars makes the prequels so much better, but the prequels should not get credit because Clone Wars makes them better. Um, so I, I, that's more of a propping up Clone Wars than anything else. And I love it so much, but I also agree with Klein and David cybernetic limbs is such like a baked in part of star Wars and such an amazing, uh, romantic almost way to connect father and son across a bunch of different movies. And, you know, even in Clone Wars, cybernetic limbs, I mean, come on, Darth Maul, whenever he jumps and lands on something, you hear that. Those legs are very weird, right? It is weird, but they're also kind of cool. Now, here's how I'm going to decide this, and I'm going to do it through the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Can Ooh. you believe it? Um, <laughs> and Thomas, I'm going to use you as my guinea pig, man, because you seem the most passionate about uh, the clone inhibitor chip. On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate the plot device of an army of people with a chip in their head that can all of a sudden be turned into these ultimate weapons? How would you rate that plot device 1 to 10? Eight and a half. Eight and a half. Interesting. How would you rate the movie Black Widow? One to ten. I don't like this. Yeah, I know you don't like (laughs) this. I love this. This is great. Yeah, I know. That sick Nirvana (laughs) opening, man. Come on, remember. Dude, it was dope as hell. I just put top. I just listened to y'all's draft too. So like (laughs) I agreed with David. He was like, it's forgettable. I'm like, yeah. Cause when Matt goes black widow, go, Ooh, that's a good pick. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'd go seven. Okay. I I was looking for a two point threshold. Okay. I know it's It's right there. I got to drop it down one just (laughs) because I don't know. Seven is like seven's pretty high. Seven puts it higher up in the list. I put you right there. I'm going with inhibitor chip. I'm going with inhibitor chip because yes. I don't think it's got a, wow. I don't think it's got a chance in the next round. And that's just me knowing the bracket. That's just, you know, that's just where I'm at. But what a great matchup though. I think that's going to be our best matchup today. If I had to guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh the clone inhibitor chip moves on. Now our 314. This is our most emotional play-in game. It's three iconic personal ships in Star Wars. It's going to represent our number three seed. Oh my so, god. To me. Oh. I know it's the star, the star destroyer. I know it's not a personal ship, but you know, star destroyer, slave one. I don't remember what it was renamed to. Does anybody? No, slave one. Slave, I think it continued to be slave one. Fantastic, slave so one. Just a, a a Spitfire or a Starfire is the name of this ship style, and they just went with that. Do I get the weapons that come on board? All of these, you get all of this. You okay. get all of it. Very good. But it's those two, and of course. The Millennium Falcon. Um, in our number three seed, I do have to ask, is anybody not voting for the Millennium Falcon here? I think there is going to be yeah. some that. 
No. Okay. Uh, all right. Then we'll do. Then we'll do the thing. We'll oh, do the maybe, process. Maybe I'm, I'm definitely we'll voting see. for the Falcon. That's for sure. I'm also voting for the Falcon. Uh, I'm voting for the Falcon, and the reason I said that is because when we did our like top five vehicles and transports on Reckless Rebellion, I'm the only one who had Millennium Falcon in their top five, and I was pissed. I was like, "Come on, it's it's the top five. It's the thing." Really? Yeah. Hmm. No, none of, none of the other losers had Klein, it. Klein, TCR, where do you fall on the Falcon? I love it. It's iconic Star Wars. I think it's back to Lego, one of the coolest Lego sets. Um, yep. But thinking <laughs> of that, I am, I'm conflicted. I love the Slave one. Sure. I had the Lego set as a kid. I love the idea of it. Like It's so not aerodynamic in any way at all, flying <laughs> basically standing up. So cool. Um, I think that the seismic charges within that ship are the coolest sounding thing in Star Wars. Yep. I think the color scheme, even in blue, looks sick. Like, I love the green. I love the blue. Cooler in blue, I think. Really? I love yeah. the green and brown. I love the Boba Fett sure. green and brown. Um, Django Fett is very cool. There was nothing cooler than just, like, helmeted. It's the whole Master Chief of it all. It's like, oh, my God. Yes. It's like a yes. robot gladiator. Um <laughs> I think I'm going to vote Slave 1, but I think it's a lost cause. Pity vote. I love it. Uh, TCR, Falcon, or Slave 1? That's what I'm going to put it up for you. Um, instantly, it is Falcon, but when Klein said, do you get the weapons? The first thing I thought of was the uh, seismic mind charge because it is the yeah. greatest weapon. It's Not so just sick. sound effect, but what it does. Oh. Seismic seismic death charge is that what it was called? Seismic mind charge. Yeah. Oh, I love those. Great. It kind of feels like it kind of feels like at the end of Maverick. That's what they use to do the whole. Is Maverick a Star Wars? Ah, It's Maverick a Star Wars movie. That was my next question. Yeah, Patty Jenkins. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, All right, guys. So the Falcon will be our three seed and it is going up against the 14 seed box. The tank. Hey, Oh, we're back in the tank. Memories, flashbacks, flashback, to uh, you know, Cobb <laughs> Vanth, Darth Vader, uh, Book of Boba Fett, Finn, Modoc, Boba Fett, Modoc. Isn't that little bunch? Uh-huh. That was tough. That, that was another star Wars nod. I feel like, you know, the, oh, the behind, he said the it, behind he said shot much, like yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's our Darth Vader moment. I love it. Uh, um, so we're gonna go Falcon versus Bakta Tank here. Klein, let's start with you since we finished. Uh so Falcon, Bakta Tank, where are you at? Uh I think Bakta Tank has become basically a meme um at this point, especially sure. after Book of Boba Fett, like every episode going back into this tank. I think yeah. it was cool. They did some cool stuff with like when Black or Santon like pulls him out of the back to tank. I thought like so this was sick. a safe place, like this was a save room in Resident Evil. Like I I can't be touched here. Uh, but I'm it's Millennium Falcon like that is probably we're we're saying it a lot but that is probably like the most iconic Star Wars thing behind lightsaber um I just think of the chills that I got the oh that hug of junk no one wants that or whatever they say in Force Awakens and then the camera it'll do and it's it's like (laughs) garbage will do yeah it's amazing yeah Chewie we're home uh Chewie we're home it's all great it's all very great Jack the most iconic spaceship of all time or a Bakta tank. It's the Falcon for me. I encourage everyone. If you are even just the slightest fan of star Wars, go to galaxy's edge and do or do ride smugglers run. And you get to like actually walk through the Falcon and just experience all of that. The ride itself. It, it, it's okay. But like just the experience of it 
it, 10 out of 10. I can't wait to touch Love it. That. Oh, feel it. <laughs> Choose your seat Just... wisely, Klein. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Say that like Palpatine. I can't do a Palpatine. You must I choose. Yeah. Now I will say in Clone Wars, when they referenced the unlimited power scene, I was like, oh, just DCR oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Falcon versus Box of Tank. I got to give a shout out to the Back to Tank uh, because scientifically, in terms of the technology itself, it is one of the greatest things ever created. Just yeah, like, oh, everything. You just heal. Right. Yeah, it really does. And the 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 development of it going on in the High Republic books right now. Shout out to us book nerds who listen to books because I don't know how to read. Thank you, Florida Education System. Uh, I love wow. the science and the technology behind the back to tank and the the amount of I mean, I think it's a couple of centuries worth of research to make it what it is at the time of when we watch cool. Star Wars. But it's the fucking Millennium Falcon, dude. I think yeah. I think Jack was right when it's, you know, it's the second most recognizable thing in Star Wars behind the lightsaber. Yeah, I I can't actually think of much more tech that is as recognizable outside of just it's like, oh, yeah, that's from Star Wars. But people would say I think it's probably lightsaber Millennium Falcon. Grogu are the top three okay. on Star Wars fans mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, that's from Star Wars. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, I will shout out real quick. A better version of the Bakta tank is in the uh, 2007 hit action thriller called Wanted, starring James oh, McAvoy and Angelina yeah. Jolie and Chris Pratt. Uh, it's the, the back, candle wax, baby. the candle wax yeah. version of, of the Bakta tank. Very cool. I'm going to see Angelina Jolie's butt. Uh, David, nice. Again. Falcon versus Bakta tank. Do you have it? Is there any sympathy vote for the Bakta tank here? No, no, Falcon 100%. <laughs> David, big Boba. Love it, guy. love it. Big so that Boba will move Boba. on, and then <laughs> love our, our final, our final first round matchup, and then we will do a little bit more of a lightning round, getting through the rest since we've talked about everything. But first off, it's our 15 seed Hulkrons. Silence falls across the room against our number two seed, and I know what you're thinking: lightsaber number one, Falcon number three, and the X-wing number four. Oh, Guys, it's droids. Just droids. Droids. Oh, the technology that is droids. And the reason I did that now, droids can be its own draft and it will someday. We will draft droids. This is what I think the only thing we can do to compete with lightsaber is put in droids, all droids. So uh, let's go around the room. Uh, Droids versus Holcrons. and I'm going to start with TCR because I assume he's going to tell me what a Holocron is. Yeah, here, we, here we go, guys. <laughs> Sit back. And, and <laughs> I do want to say, if you are voting droids, talk about your favorite droid. Uh, so TCR, real quick, Holocrons versus droids in our 215. I disagree that droids are the only thing that can defeat a lightsaber, considering the fact that Holocrons are technology that is based around the Force, and it gives you... Not only the ability to store information in across centuries. I mean, Darth Bane created, if I'm not mistaken, like 5,000 holocrons that are sitting out there still teaching sure. dark side users in Shadow of the Sith, which, you know, leads into the mm-hmm. sequel trilogy. It's an amazing piece right. of technology alone that you can store. I don't know, like hundreds of thousands of gigabytes if we're going to use modern technology terms just to get it across. Then you have to be specifically force sensitive to open it. 
Then you add on the fact that they are more valuable because of their inability to be used in open. I'm definitely voting holocrons. My favorite droid. K2SO. Let's be honest. Like, I love that. <laughs> I love Alan Tunic. Uh, David. Our holo is a holocron the thing from the rest of Skywalker with Kylo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's like a version the, of it. The, the what were we explained in that movie? Yeah. Would we have yeah, thought differently I, if Duel of the Fates had come out? Because holocrons were supposed to be like super, the, super yeah. big in that mm-hmm. movie. Really? I think that's yeah. where they got the Wayfinder thing in Rise of Skywalker. It's like, hey, they kind of did that in Duel of the Fates. Let's try to. Isn't okay. it also in Fallen Order too, though? Yeah. They are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's, a, it's like a thing. That's your nav, isn't it? Yep. Very cool. Yeah. Um, David, holocron versus droid here. Uh, going droid C3PO is my favorite. Love him. He's underrated. Better than R2D2. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, <laughs> love throwing that you, one out there. You would. That's right. C3PO is better than R2D2 in the same way that David Schwimmer is the best actor on Friends. He's not the best Never. character. He's the best actor. Ah. Okay. Like okay. Does that resonate with anybody? Going. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll we can also have accept any backup in this, so thank you. Yeah. Well, sure, sure. I mean, you're not getting it from <laughs> me, but I'm trying to help count. you because I'm your friend. Um, all red counts. <laughs> no. Mike, talk about Mike, the piano Mike, player. Mike does yeah. not count. Okay. Um, Fair. I could do. I could do friends all day, guys. Uh, Klein, <laughs> droids versus holocrons. Where are we going? I think holocrons are cool technology, but they're basically Star Wars USB sticks. Droids. Here we go. Um, favorite droid. It, I mean, R two D two uh shout out to bb8 and shout out i've always had a soft spot i don't know why for gonk droids they're like walking garbage cans they're they're like these like rectangles you see them in the death star these big rectangles they're just like just like walk really silly and they make these really dumb sounds like they're just like they're like walking garbage cans i love them they frequently get stunned when somebody who's not supposed to be there is walking by but do nothing about it yeah yeah (laughs) but do absolutely nothing about it so, fun fact, those are power droids. Yes. They they carry the electricity inside of them. They are. I, lear- I, I learned that there. in the latest episode of Star Wars The Bad Batch. You didn't know that before? Then? No. You oh, fake idiot. fan. <laughs> I watched that episode of Bad Batch and I still didn't know. Jeez. <laughs> who would know that? Thomas. Thomas. Like, who would know that and why? <laughs> why I not? love that. I. This is why we have you on the show, my guy. Jack, uh, it's a... Uh, Droids 2, Holocrons 1. Is Holocrons going to have a fighting chance here? Yeah, I'm going to push it to you because I know where you're going. I'm, <laughs> sympathy vote from me. Um, Holocrons yes. are so freaking cool. Look, the Force is my favorite thing in Star Wars. So, And Holocrons are an extension of that, just like Jedi and Sith. So, I, And I like the way Star Wars has used them. I, like, I like cool. the fact that like, like just casual Star Wars fans don't really know what a Holocron is. But like, they do pop up like kind of all over the place but they're still i don't know they are cool looking and they they can they can change shapes you can combine a jedi and sith holocron as they do in rebels um so holocrons for me sounds very much like a holcrox am i wrong in thinking that what i say holcrox yeah yeah. horcrux same vibes it feels like obviously not the execution but just like the spiritual identity of it um sure i can see where you go Yes no or idea. no, yes or no. The only theatrically theatrically released presentation of a Holocron is in Rise of Skywalker. Correct? Theatrically, yes, yes, I do believe okay, so. Look- um, I I'm trying to remember. I feel like I've seen it in live action. Other than that, but I I can't place it in my mind. 
Maybe Ahsoka had one. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe I maybe I dreamt the future. Maybe that's what happened with uh, Darth Maul in a uh, Clone Wars season seven. <laughs> <laughs> Kenobi. Uh, yeah, Holocrons is only represented to mainstream audiences in Rise of Skywalker, and I will not be voting for that movie in any way, shape, or form. I'm it's voting droids, and it's also it's also K two S O. Is my favorite droid for sure. And ladies and gentlemen, that completes our first round, and let's right. bullet through the rest of our matchups. We have introduced everything. We have talked about everything. And let's let's see what the best piece of Star Wars tech is after one round of filtering. And we start with our one eight matchup lightsaber versus pod racer. Yeah, it's getting real, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's start with any mini mighty David. David, lightsaber, pod racer. What do you got? Lightsaber. Pod racing is cool, but lightsaber. Yep. Just think of Darth lightsaber, Maul. Lightsaber, the wet. Darth Maul. Ooh. No, that's not a pod racer. Where doesn't Darth Maul like jump off something? It'd be yeah. more of a, a pod racer, speeder. like like a moped. Yeah. A I know what you're talking Dude, about. Dude, when he fucking just screams it off screen, Ooh. man, it is so <laughs> sick. Um, lightsaber with a vote, Klein. Pod racer. Pod racer coming out yeah. of nowhere. Yeah. I'm a I'm a Jack. child of the '90s. I'm sorry. I love that for you. Jack, sorry. Oh, sorry, sorry. sorry. Uh, Jack, <laughs> if you, if you said Jack, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Um, an elegant point. weapon for a more civilized age, lightsaber. It's so cool. So cool the way they talk about things. You know what I mean? <laughs> TCR, uh, lightsaber, pod racer. Master Skywalker, cool. what are we supposed to do? Slay <laughs> the pod racer. It. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's gone. Pod racer Aaron Hernandez gone forever. Uh, lightsabers, <laughs> lightsabers, gonna move on. Uh, we go to our what is this five four matchup? Okay, very close. Here seed, we go. Our closest seed. Ooh, in the second round. One. Hyperdrive takes on X wing. Ooh, mm. I've got now, a good one. A little note. A little note here. The reason the X wings are so valuable to the rebellion is because they have hyperdrive. Yeah, something to think about, David. Uh, hyperdrive X-Wing, where are you going? Going X-Wing. Sticking yeah. to it. I yeah. think he just has... I think what's going to drive some of this is like the ties, the pieces of tech have to the story and the X-Wing is like one of the, I guess, kind of the epitome, epitome of that. Others others do as well, but this is just like the X-Wing becomes its own character. So it's kind of like the hyperdrive, but more so in the X-Wing. So yeah. Love it. Clint? I'm going X-Wing as well with a special shout out to the triple X-Wings from Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they, are, they are so unnerving. You know what I mean? I'm like, whoa. Like, that's... that's they impressive. have three wings. Like, yeah. Like, it's like, how many boobs is too many boobs? Anything over two. I mean, like, and the, the triple X-Wing gave me the same feeling. Jack? Jack X-Wing uh, hyperdrive. Hyperdrive, man. I, I just I think of so many moments in Star Wars, and the hyperdrive is just like the key to everything. It's a key to my heart when it comes to Star Wars. I agree. Uh TCR. Hyperdrive, because you specifically said the gravity well projector is involved in this, <laughs> and that is my favorite piece of Star Wars tech. Also, for you. it's beautiful. You can live inside of hyperdrive. Is the X-Wing not beautiful? No. Oh, okay. It's a hunk of junk. Only when it's no, in hyperspace. No. Fine. 
Wow. I love that. Uh, so it comes down to me, and I will be voting X-Wing because Damn, my favorite scene within an X-Wing is, no, R2, I'll take an, I'll take the controls for a while. Specifically not going into hyperdrive. You know what I mean? Love it's it. very cool. X-Wing, the X-Wing will move on as the four seed, and as I pull up the bracket, we will start our two... 11 matchup the 11 seed moved on the clone inhibitor chip is taking on all droids within the star wars universe this does include the sad puppy droid from andor that makes me uncomfortable uh tcr we're gonna start with you droids versus the clone inhibitor chip what's the difference between a droid and a clone well one's an organic droid and the other is just robot material clone inhibitor chip wins for me What's the difference between a Raven and a writing desk? I have not the slightest idea. Jack, clone inhibitor chip or um, droid? I went with the inhibitor chip in the last round because of the emotion that gets packed with it. Um, and I think about K2SO and, and his tragic mm-hmm. scene, tragic end in Rogue One. So I'm going to go droids on this one. It's amazing stuff. Uh, that is one for droid, one for the inhibitor chip. Klein? I am also going droid. Special shout out because we haven't talked about it really on the show at all yet. Shout out to uh, the Phoebe Waller Bridges droid from Solo who wants to sleep with Donald Glover because don't we all? Revolution! <laughs> yeah, this is the revolution scene for me, man. It's it's her cord moment, and I love it. I love it so much. Uh, David, uh, you can send droids home here. I'm going with droids. Or, love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, quick shout out. I don't remember who had it on their list. The oil bath that uh, C3PO oh, yeah. kind of yeah. totally takes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this oil Mega. bath is going to feel so good. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I haven't had my joints oiled in here. Get the fuck out of here, you creepy asshole. Ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, Droids is going to move on to the semifinals. And we do our, what is this? Our 10 3 matchup Carbonite Freezing against the Millennium Falcon, the Han Solo. Aww. Playoff Invitational. Mm. Uh, we're going to start with Jack because he had the most emotional reaction. Carbonite Freezing against the 3C Millennium Falcon. When you said Carbonite Freezing, I'm like, okay, then no way I'm going against it. And then he said Millennium Falcon. I was like, shit. Um, yeah, yeah. got to go the Falcon here. But I, I, I also want to shout out, I didn't say it earlier, the Han Solo Family Guy Star Wars. Went, <laughs> that, that, that far joke, man, is just, it gets me every time. Yeah, it's a good one. It's got that perfect balance of family guy this is going on too longness to it um which is always great uh we're gonna go over to klein klein carbonite freezing versus the millennium falcon millennium falcon it's just it is it is iconic i do think that we get one i would say iconic moment with carbonite freezing with han solo uh but other than that i can just think of so many more uh millennium falcon moments and i prefer it so i'm going millennium falcon love that love it tcr uh falcon versus freezing i want to sam wilson i want oh nice i want to go against the grain here i've been on the losing end of all these votes so far but it's the falcon man like come on how do you not home how do you not david answer that question how do you not you don't not you just do man (laughs) just do (laughs) fuck yeah <laughs> Hell yeah, David. You don't not, you just do. Um Pop yeah, Gun, Falcon, Patty we'll Jenkins. Yep. 100%, 100%. And that creates a semifinal full, full of our top 4 seeds. First Alex, off, first okay. off, sorry. Droids versus Falcon. Droids versus Millennium Falcon, which oh. some could argue is just a droid wrapped in a ship. 
Um, literally so talk to it to back to, to the, the lightsaber debacle. exactly what that is. <laughs> is the Millennium Falcon a lightsaber? Um, David, <laughs> answer that question for us. Droids versus Falcon, where are you going? The, these, This is iconic Star Wars right here, I think. Yeah. The droids and the Millennium Falcon. We're getting down to it now. I think I'm going to go with droids. And I think the reason I'm going to go with droids, ironically, earlier I said C-3PO is better than R2. But someone earlier in this podcast pointed out the shot in The Force Awakens <laughs> with the cybernetic arm touching out to who? R2-D2. R2-D2. And there's just there's so much there, man. Like oh. I, with the, droid, the droids bring so much to almost every single Star Wars project, no matter what droid it, even, even Force Awakens. Or not Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Um, Fallen Skywalker. Order. Oh, the video okay. game. Fallen Order. Oh, yeah. the, yeah, the BD One. Yeah, BD. Fucking BD One, dude. He's Great. awesome. Droid and such a good awesome. little like um, video game kind of game maker tool to use. Yeah. It like, works perfectly the way they designed Pikachu. that. Can't wait. Can't wait to dive back into that in what April now, Klein? April, end of April, baby. Can't wait. Um, so yeah, I'm going to finish Hogwarts. Um, droids gets one vote. Jack, we go to you. Droids or the Millennium Falcon. And in the Last Jedi, I just want to shout out when Luke and R two meet up again. It's just one of the most heartfelt moments. When he just becomes like Luke Skywalker from A New Hope. He's like R two. My gosh. Um, but I'm going Falcon on this. It's just too iconic for me. There's so many moments wrapped up in that ship. Um, and for me, the droids can become too much of a plot device. Sometimes it's like, oh, we have a droid here. He can do everything. You know, save the day. And it's just, it, it's done a lot in Star Wars. Absolutely. TCR. I want to give a big shout out to one of my favorite droids, L3. She started a revolution and she's also the navigational uh, matrix of the Millennium Falcon. Falcon gets the push through. She's both. She is both. She is one. She's her. Um, Falcon droids. Klein, you can send the Falcon through or you can vote for droids. No idea. I am going. Oh, man. <laughs> if you were asking seven year old client, I would be like droidicas are the coolest thing in the entire world. So droids, but I am a grown man with grown man feelings, and I am picking Millennium Falcon. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah, you are. Fly casually. You know what I mean? That's a grown man thought. Exactly. And I love that for you. <laughs> love that for you. Uh yeah. Falcon's gonna move on past our 2C droids into the finals where it will be taking on the winner of Lightsaber versus the X-Wing. This feels a little more lighthearted uh, than the first matchup, but we are going to do this one off. TCR, we're going to start with you. Lightsaber, X-Wing, who you got? Every lightsaber will destroy an X-Wing. Easy. That's not what this argument is, though. It's which do you prefer. <laughs> it's nothing yeah. about utility. It's an interesting take. It's an interesting take, and it's why I'm preferring the lightsaber. <laughs> I like the argument. I because we're getting down to the nitty gritty, we gotta find something, right? <laughs> you saw what Ray did to Kylo's ship with a lightsaber. Oh, it ain't that hot. That's not an X-wing. Doesn't it matter. Was that was cool. uh, very. The lightsaber. Uh, so the lightsaber takes one vote. Uh, David, we're gonna go to you next. Lightsaber, X-wing. Lightsaber. And I think that is just a an answer because there are just so many of them and they're so vast. And I love so many different lightsabers and the different arrangements and colors. My favorite being Return of the Jedi, Luke's green lightsaber. That's my favorite lightsaber. Um, so yeah, I'm going I'm going to lightsaber. I they're just 
amazing. Love it. Love it. Klein? Um, X-Wing. I'm doing X-Wing. I love lightsabers. I think they are so cool. Uh, I've always dreamt of one day getting a lightsaber whip in a Star Wars movie. I think that'd be really neat. Um, but yeah. uh, personal favorite lightsaber is I love Luke's blue lightsaber. I think it's just like it is that is the lightsaber to me. But I mean Anakin's lightsaber. Anakin's light, sure. It's so good. Yes. Um, so good. Yeah. In in the world of Earth that I live on, it was Luke's first. Uh, I am, but yeah, I am X-Wing to me is just like I was gonna say, and lightsabers never made me cry. That's a lie. I'm an easy mark. I cry at everything. But the <laughs> X-wing has made me like openly sobbed, and I yeah. will never forget that. So I'm doing the X-wing. I love that. And would it be weird for a lightsaber whip to be with anybody but Han Solo? Oh, that'd be dope. Harrison <laughs> Ford being the predominant whip wielder of our yeah, generation. Yeah. Uh, Jack Pew's predominant in lightsaber home. I, w- I was gonna say Halle Berry's That's what sentence I just said. There. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Meow. <laughs> <laughs> um ahsoka's white lightsabers in live action so <laughs> Just, oh, i love how she the it's so good so fucking cool. yeah. yeah oh my god i'm going lightsaber here no damn. question damn all right well the x-wing is going to fall off not a single person mentioned poe dameron in a single x-wing conversation oh. and it's one x-wing oh, against the entire empire that's one pilot it's the coolest thing in the world. It's the coolest God, thing in the world. that scene in Force Awakens. Oh. You know why it's great, best, David? Dude. Because March of the Resistance is one of the greatest Star Wars themes of all time. Here's the audio. Such a white guy's humming. This is exactly what people want to listen to. it all a little offbeat as well. So just a great listening experience. It's a symphony. It's a symphony, Klein. It's Sean Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, our final matchup is our number one seed lightsaber taking on our number three seed, the Millennium Falcon. Easily the two most iconic single things that Star Wars has. And this is, this is guys, and I'll say this right now, the ultimate Jedi hmm. versus non-Jedi Star Wars debate. The ultimate non-Jedi character, Han Solo, against the ultimate Jedi weapon, lightsaber. So the Millennium Falcon... Han Solo and Chewie and everything that it encompasses against lightsabers, Jedi, and everything that they encompass. Who wants to go first? Does anybody feel pat David? Right away. I love that. Go. <laughs> I'm going with the lightsaber, man. I just think it's so Falcon is fundamentally the OG series and then going into the sequels, but lightsabers are just generational. And I think that lightsabers have been used in such unique ways. They're not a whip yet. But we've got the double blade. <laughs> we can dream. We've got the cool. <laughs> we've got the Kylo lightsaber that is iconic. We've got an iconic lightsaber in the last ten years, and that is Kylo Ren's lightsaber with the what is it like a hilt. broken Kyber crystal? And yeah, yeah. And yes, and of course Crap. the hilt, and just the noise, the sound design of a lightsaber, mm. the yeah. use of lighting. I would say especially in uh, Fuck. the right, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, Force Awakens say, specifically. And Obi-Wan Kenobi, by the way. David, what are you thinking? (laughs) I was going to say Return of the Jedi um, with the green and the red. (laughs) Because there's just so many uses of lighting with the lightsabers. I'm so sorry. Um, So that kind of just made my point for me. Like, it's just so beautiful. I love it. It's so simple, though. Like, bad means red. Green or blue is good. But I love it. I eat it up. And I'm going with the lightsaber. 
screw the purple, man. I hate that shit. Even though I did pitch that idea what? earlier. <laughs> That's I love the, so I love me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and George Lucas saying, what color lightsaber do you want? I'm saying purple. I feel it's abandoned so right now. <laughs> Why is that stupid? Never mind. <laughs> different conversation for a different time. Another lightsaber scene. Uh, Jack, lightsaber versus Millennium Falcon. Mm. Mando season two finale. That one shot, the hand comes through. It's a green lightsaber with a black glove holding the hilt. I'm going lightsaber, man. Like it's just that, like I said, force is my favorite thing. And that for whatever reason, it just like it embodies the force, it embodies Jedi and Sith and all that. And it it's Star Wars. So lightsaber's gonna take it home. I agree. TCR, star uh lightsaber versus Falcon. Listen, the Falcon is amazing, it is beautiful, but does it come in black? Oh, <laughs> no, it does not. <laughs> so we're going lightsaber. Specifically, the dark saber is my favorite one of all time. I love it. Klein just went light- straight Christian Bale in the Dark Knight. I was just about to say. <laughs> <laughs> took, took words right out of my mouth. Took the words right. Does it come in black? Uh, that was awesome. I love that. Klein, lightsaber's going to win, but where would you have gone? I was going to go Millennium Falcon. Okay. I just, I think, I think it is. <laughs> To me, I, I love lightsabers so much. I mean, I love this franchise so much. You can't love Star Wars without loving lightsabers, but just the Millennium Falcon means so much to me. Uh, Jack, you brought up the lightsaber coming in with the glove. I think the, oh, Han's gone. He's packed up the ship. It's the end of A New Hope. And who shows up? And it's sure. Solo yeah, Millennium man. Wahoo! <laughs> yeah, so it's, yeah, Millennium Falcon. Yeah, it doesn't get talked about enough. Like, I think one reason why Galaxy's Edge was like kind of received not not poorly, but it, it wasn't like this overwhelming success is because when it comes to lo- locations like Star Wars doesn't really have its Hogwarts because like Hogwarts makes you feel like you're at home for mm-hmm. Star Wars. It's ships. It, it, it's these yeah. like vehicles. It's these transports. There's literally. a reason that's that the Millennium it's not a planet or a place centerpiece of Galaxy's Edge, right? Right. Yeah, Such exactly. It's a random location. That That's like, yeah. That's exactly it. That's a great point. Such an unbelievable. I I also would have voted Millennium Falcon. Uh, the moment where the gun navigation breaks and uh, mm. Finn is just hanging there, so Ray flips it. Now, oh, bang! Elite. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, Fucking that's amazing. So, cool. so yeah, as lightsaber got three straight votes and won this entire bracket, but two votes for Millennium Falcon. Every vote matters, guys. Go out and vote, and that's really the message of this podcast. And that's why we had everybody here. So to nice. go out and vote, we, we had a Canadian and two Floridians on to tell everybody to go vote. And you know what? That's that's America right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's America if I've ever heard of it. Uh, guys, uh, Klein, Jack, TCR, thank you so much for coming on today and talking Star Wars. Make sure to go check out the Mandalorian Season 3 primer recently released by the Reckless rebels themselves it's much more in depth than mine and david's we gave earlier so we're very excited about mando season three and we will have all three of these guys on throughout the season to talk about mando three at different points um but uh, until then until mando comes out on wednesday this has been one of the longest episodes of the direct podcast ever <laughs> and uh we are very excited for mando three and creed three coming this week's so make sure to check that out but until then yeah. we'll see you next time <laughs>